Blog Talk Radio. The following is a post-time with Mike and Mike production. Dresmick Wicked is lonely on the lead. He's up by four on the outside. Don't tell me again. Cutting into the margin, but it's Mick Wicked. Four years later, back at the top of the sport. <laughs> Homicide Hunter who sweeps past to the outside. Homicide Hunter trotting into the finish. It's Homicide Hunter who will hit the line. 148 and 4, the fastest trotter ever. Dewey did some good down the boulevard of broken dreams. Walker Meister coming at him. Walker Meister on the outside getting the best of him. Walker Meister in front. Gideon. Three wide, all bets off. They're at the top of the stretch. Rockin' Ron turns first in the Battle of Lake Erie. On the outside, bit of a legend. Rockin' Ron, bit of a legend on the outside. Bit of a legend. This year's battle champion, 23 and 1. Homeward bound in gold cup and soccer. 59, somewhere fancy. Rockin' in heaven. Rose Run Quest is there. Here Fine. Twinkle takes aim in the passing lane. Now Caviar Alley in full gear outside. Shark start a feeling. Caviar Alley all out. Shark digging deep. Shark's gonna dig in here and get the win here. Shark up on the front end. Then none shall pass for Tim Dietrich. Giddy up. You're tuned in to the official podcast of the Sport of Harness Racing post-time with Mike and Mike with co-host Mike Carter. Foiled again! Holds on to win! Foiled again, tough as nails! And Mike Bozich. The Iron Horse has cemented his legacy! Gideon! And we welcome everybody to uh, Post Time with Mike and Mike live coverage of the 2019 Breeders' Crown. Mike Bozich with you. We're going to be joined in just a moment live on track by Garnet Barnsdale, Ace Barnsdale, and Ashley Mayu in just a couple of minutes. Well, it is the Breeders' Crown. It is that time of year again, and we certainly appreciate everybody joining us here on Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the USTA. We've got five exciting Breeders' Crown races coming up for you here tonight, uh, coming up uh, in about, uh, let's see, in about 20 or 25 minutes or so. Race number five, which is an overnight event for not winners of 11,000 in the last five on the pace for a person of 20,000 dollars is set to go that starts a, a, a pick free as well as some other things exact the trifecta of course wagering on that particular race but we've got the two-year-olds in action tonight in the breeders crown and we certainly appreciate you joining us once again we'll have ace barnsdale garnet barnsdale ashley mayu and company live on site they'll be doing some winter circle interviews as well as getting reactions and of course we'll be talking about the big races coming up tonight don't forget we're on the air tomorrow saturday of course the breeders crown is a two-day event tomorrow the action starts at eight o'clock 
o'clock. You can check us out live on Post Time with MikeAndMike.com starting at 8 o'clock. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll get the ball rolling. We've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the USTA. Back in a moment. Looking to bet on great racing from around the country and around the world? There's no better place than BetAmerica.com. But there's also no better time to join because right now we're offering a 100% sign-up bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Simply open a new account at BetAmerica, make your first deposit, and we'll add your bonus immediately. It's It's that easy. easy. Sign up today at BetAmerica.com. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has the power to bring a life-changing experience to any child. We introduce youth to the horses and skills that build confidence, friendships, and a lifelong love of harness racing. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Check out the complete list of Harness Horse Youth Foundation camps and activities at hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike Are you a harness racing trainer or driver? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers. Hey, racing fans, we all know the ride begins well before the starting gate. Stay warmed up around the clock at PennHorseRacing.com, your home for all things harness and thoroughbred racing. PennHorseRacing.com gives you the inside track on betting, industry events, breeding, news, and more. You know, everything that'll give you an edge come post-up. Visit PennHorseRacing.com today. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Bootenshane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training service in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. 
Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. We are back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USDA. Mike Bozich, along with our group at Woodbine Mohawk Park right now. We are joined on-site live by Garnet Barnsdale, Ace Barnsdale, Ashley May. You guys, welcome in, and we know that there is a race in progress here, race number five, an overnight event. Yep, I got Ideal Jed, who's currently trying to hold the lead as they turn for home. I'll tell you what, uh, there's another horse. There's a horse going to roll by him, and... Uh, it's nice and warm here. It's actually not cool at all, as I expected it to be. But guess what? The front end's been stopping so far all night. So that's, uh, I think, something to keep uh, an eye out for with these uh, Breeders' Crown races about to start up soon. We got, looks yes. like we got Brody Scrapper here coming at 21 to 1 here. Yep. Both teams in the backfield, Mike. Yeah, excellent close by uh, Ellis Park from the outside, but just not enough. Brody Scrapper takes care of business. Actually won his second straight. That was an overnight event, guys. We've got five Breeders' Crown races here coming up for you tonight. The two-year-olds are in action, but as always, we kind of like to set the scene, guys. Let's And, and Garnet, I think you did a great job of it already because you kind of talked about how speed has not been holding up so far tonight through the first five events. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to go through it quickly. I know that's two in a row. I think uh, I don't think a front end horse has won yet. Uh, no, second. Who won the first? Do you remember? I think we're five for five with uh, horses coming from off the pace. Mark. As a matter of fact, I know that we are. So uh, no, no leader has turned for home and won, which is very unusual at this track. Okay, is there something? Is there something at now? Listen, you guys are kind of like the experts here at Woodbine Mohawk. Is there something? Maybe is there a wind deal, or is there? You think the no. temperatures? Is there anything that could be affecting why speed is not holding up so far? I couldn't say. I mean, it's it's a little bit muggy, believe it or not. Like we we packed a bunch of coats and stuff, and thought we're gonna be sitting here freezing like we we're at Hoosier in late October, but it's actually kind of muggy. So I don't know if that's playing to something with the track condition or not. But the other thing is like these horses have been flying early. Like you got a 53 and four half, and they they come home at almost 57. You know uh, the leaders are probably gonna get a little winded at the end. So it'll be interesting to see. I got a I got a horse uh, a filly picked out in this upcoming race that's a closer that's gonna be a price. So. I feel a little bit um, a little bit more confident now after seeing these first five races. All right, we're going to talk. We're going to certainly talk a little bit about the Breeders' Cup action, the, the Breeders' uh, Crown action coming up in race number six. Five Breeders' Crown races here tonight at Woodbine Mohawk, and uh, of course we've talked about uh, Garnet how much Woodbine Mohawk has looked forward to this event. We were at the Pepsi North America Cup broadcasting from there. We had a chance to sit down and talk with Chad Rosamond, Mark McKelvey, and uh, the guys uh, certainly excited about hosting this event. And uh, tell us a little bit about the crowd. What kind of crowd do we have tonight? What's the atmosphere kind of like? It looks pretty good. It looks like there's quite a few people outside, which, uh, you know, it's good to take the opportunity tonight because, unfortunately, it sounds like there might be a little bit of rain tomorrow starting around 8 or 9 o'clock, and I'm, I'm really hoping that that, uh, 
that's going to change. Hey, I said hello to Christopher before he got on the bike in this, with this horse, uh, Ellis Park, that just won. Must be good luck. Well, yeah, I I'm, think he owes you a royalty now. I think he does, yeah. He should at least buy me a Diet Coke or something. Wow. I thought, Actually, I thought Brody Scrapper won that race, to be quite honest with you. I, I must have looked down a little bit too soon. I'm actually broadcasting live from the announcer's group at Harris, Philadelphia, by the way. I've got a big screen TV, but the only thing is, is it's kind of on top of me. So uh, I just kind of wrote uh, wrote Brody Scrapper in as the winner, but I guess I was parked it out closer. I guess the TV's not big enough then. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, try is going to be a monster. Our, our, uh, your your partner and our partner in crime, Mike Carter, would love to have one of his famous 20-cent tries on this ticket, man. This is going to pay huge. All right. Well, listen, Ace Barnsdale's already made the first crack of the night, so Ace, you are officially off the broadcast, so now it's me, Garnet, and Ashley. <laughs> Ashley's that's not like here. A, she's not coming until tomorrow. That's right. She's not going to be there until tomorrow, so it's going to yeah. be us three. That's correct. Sure and then Mike Carter told me that I, I dropped the ball on that one, right? So Ashley's going to be joining us tomorrow, and of course, she does good work at uh, at Fort Erie, and, uh, but listen, we've got a very competent crew tonight, at least I think we do, with, um, along with <laughs> Garnet Barnsdale, and of course, Ace, and by the way, by the way, if you're listening, if you had not have not had a chance to check out Ace Barnsdale's article on HarnessRacing.com, what a great article it is. Ace, you did a heck of a job on that, my friend. You really did. Well, thanks a lot, Mike. That means a lot to hear it. I've I've been getting I've been getting kind of showered with uh with praise like that, and it's it makes me feel so good, you know. It's uh, it's really keeping me going doing this. It's, hey, listen, he's starting fun. to steal work off me, so I don't know. I might have to start <laughs> room and board. Well, hey, that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. Race number six is coming up, of course. Is uh, boy, look at those payoffs! Wow, some good payoffs across the board here at uh, at Woodbine Mohawk. Now, okay, so let's talk about this first of all. Before we get into this race, we have uh, seen the closers kind of do well. Now, does that affect our handicapping when it comes to these Breeder Crown races here in just a few minutes? <clears throat> It might, especially if I see the trend continue. But uh, I'm on a close. I'm on a horse that I'm pretty sure is a closer in this uh, Philly Philly two-year-old Philly trot. Anyway, but it's not going to change mine to start out with. All right. Well, we've got a field of ten coming up in the uh, trot. It's a purse of seven hundred eighty-six thousand dollars two-year-old Philly final, and uh, a good field of ten here. And obviously. There are two elephants in the room, you would think, and they both start from posts one or two. Hypnotic Am suffered her first loss last time out against Sister Sledge. Sister Sledge with that robust winning percentage in her own right, 8 of 10. Um, you know, a lot of people think, at least on paper, that this could be a two-horse race. Darn it, does it get deeper than this? I don't. Um, I actually went to a Dippy Hammer as my top choice. There's a Grand Circuit race here on September 14th. Uh, coming with a nice late close. And then she was kind of, you know, kind of sneaky because she didn't race for almost a month. She finished third beating two lengths in the uh, kindergarten race. And then uh, last week she came back and she was driven very mildly, to put it mildly. So she, I thought she looked pretty good on the end of the mile. I don't think she's going to be 12 lengths back at the half like she was last week. And I think I'm going to get a price. But obviously... I mean, those two inside Phillies are obviously the ones to beat. But, uh, you know, I, don't, I didn't uh, drive 40 miles in traffic to bet three or four to five shots all night. 
No, certainly no question about it. And uh, we're going to take a look at this field. Uh, they put up 27 minutes to post, and uh, obviously they're going to have some between-race activities going on. It is, of course, the Breeders' Crown. And, um, you know, listen, uh, the Breeders' Crown is certainly a great event. I mean, the Downs of Mohegan Sun Pokemon did a great job of hosting it last year. Who's your part the year before? And, uh, you know, now you've got it uh, right in your backyard, Garnet, and that's certainly got to be something for you guys. So they got, now how many straight Breeders' Crowns now have you been to? Oh man, I can't count them. Uh, I'm trying to remember the last time I missed. The last time I missed one, I think was the the, the year it was at Pocono, and I remember Market Share winning the Open Trot because uh, I had um, uh, the horse, the Herbie horse that Jameson drove. I don't remember, Mister Herbie. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. and he made, he raced a huge mile on the rim first up, and uh, Market Share slid up the passing lane and beat me, and I I think I punched something, but. Uh, that's that's the last one I remember uh, missing. So I'm, I've I've made a, a, a you know I made a bunch of our own. I think um, you know in addition to complimenting Mohawk, we you know we we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Maura Fanning, uh, the Queen of Bee of Harness Racing, mm-hmm. and John Campbell. The great job they've done here, and uh, they've really rolled out uh, some nice stuff for the media. They they actually put a trailer up right uh, beside the paddock where you can go in and uh, get programs and stuff and, and press guides and. Uh, that fantastic job as always. And I can't, you know, we can never say enough about Moira. Maybe we get, we could never get tired of, of complimenting her because she's just the best. Well, I'll tell you what, she goes, uh, she's very busy on a day like today. But you know what? If you guys see her passing by the broadcast location, please stop her, get a quick word with her because, I mean, she is honestly one of the unsung heroes of the sport of harness racing. I mean, what she does for us in the media is unbelievable. And uh, I'll tell you what, she cares deeply about the sport. And, of course, the addition of John Campbell to the Hamiltonian Society, Garnet. I mean, I think that was a fantastic addition. A guy that has been out there, that has won so many races, so many big races, that kind of understands you know, a lot of different aspects of the sport of harness racing, certainly a big addition. Absolutely. He's uh, you couldn't, I don't think you could get a better team than uh, John and Moira. John's all class and uh, you know, he's there, you know, they're both so well-respected. So yeah, I mean, it's uh and there we see the, uh, there looks like they're doing some kind of grand opening of the Winback farm winter circle, which I don't know yes. if you can see it, Mike, but uh, they did a fantastic job on this. Hey, you know what? And I'll tell you what, Winback Farm, another great, uh, great sponsor of the sport of harness racing. They're a big friend of the show. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're going to have uh, their marketing director, Elizabeth Cheeseman, on the show next week. So um, they've just they've done an outstanding job. I mean, uh, and their farm, you know, the really cool thing about Winback Farm is, well, they've got a couple of different farms, of course, one up in Canada and uh, one not too far from me. And uh, I had a chance to go uh, visit Jeff Fout, who uh, – is uh, takes care of a lot of the horses there and what a great facility i mean you want to talk about just an endless expanse of land like if you want to get lost somewhere go get lost at windback farms i'll tell you what you can get on that property and you wouldn't be found for months no really eh? i've never been there (laughs) you will not be found for months so if you ever need a place to bury a body, there it is. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you've got, uh, oh, great, great five breeders crowd race, <laughs> five breeders crowd races coming up. We're going to talk about. Let's talk about some of the superstars though as we look later on in the program. Uh, the uh, two-year-old Philly Pacers will be in action at race seven, of course, going for that seven hundred and eighty thousand dollar purse and uh, priceless, of course, Brandon Bates. Driving and training. This is a, a very good story. There's a really good story on this one in, at uh, on U.S. Trotting a couple of days ago, and the prices has been very good. And how, you know, whenever you've got somebody 
like Brandon Bates, somebody like off the beaten path, somebody that's not a Ron Burke or a Jim King or a Tony Alanya. When you get somebody like that, it kind of makes it this thing really special. Absolutely. Uh, that's probably going to be the best of the Breeders' Crown races tonight, I think, Mike. you got four outstanding fillies that are all going to kind of battle it out, and uh, if not five, actually, with reflect with me. I mean, I don't think we should count her out yet either. So it's going to be interesting to see how the strategy goes in that race there because uh, you got four horses on the inside who all can show, uh, you know, a lot of speed, and that that's a race that could potentially set up for some bomb to just kind of slide through the middle at the end. Race number yeah. eight is the yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Ace. Go ahead. Yeah, I think that's that's one that's one of the more wide open races of the whole weekend. Um, even the horses that are longer shots on the board, like Marlo Hanover, who raced good last week, uh, looks good in a romper. They all they all have a really big shot in there. I think. Race number eight is the two-year-old Colt and Gelding Trot going for a price of $786,000. And, of course, the all eyes will be on the uh, Fashion Farms-owned Real Cool Sam 9 for 9, undefeated, actually dead heat in last time uh, in the International Stallion, but uh, has to deal with post-9, guys. And uh, Garnett, that's, you know, that could be uh, certainly a tough task. could be. Uh, you notice he won... Uh... He won his Houghton uh, elimination from that hole, parked a long way. But, uh, yeah, you know, the outside post can be the great equalizer in races like these. And if you're going to – if you have a, if you have a reason to take a shot against them, I guess that would be it. That, of course, is race number eight. Then we move on to race number nine. That is the uh, $780,000 two-year-old Colt and Gelding pace uh, in the uh, Breeders' Crown Final. And uh, this one, I'll tell you what, Poppy Rob Hanover, and uh, I'll never forget back on the eighth, we had a chance to talk to Dave Miller when he won the Pennsylvania uh, State Championships here at Harris, Philadelphia. Had a chance to talk to Dave Miller on the show uh, that Thursday before, and he said, you know what, it's time to see what Poppy Rob Hanover has. And uh, went off 90 cents on the dollar, won one, one in 150 and two under wraps, and it's really been all systems go since then. Yeah, um, he's, been, he's been so good, so consistently. Um, but he's got some really big uh, competition in this race. We got uh, Captain Midnight, who who's just been great all season, and the same with uh, Tall Dark Stranger, the Canadian hero. So uh, I think while while he's a great horse, I think he's also in for a pretty big test here. Yeah, certainly. So we got five outstanding Breeders' Crown races coming up for you. There's still 20 minutes to post time as they continue to do the uh, winner's circle uh, kind of, uh, I guess they're, what are they doing? They're kind of like this is the the winners the uh, win back farm winner's circle now. So they're kind of like uh, just uh, you know declaring that that it is the winner win, win back farm winner's circle. And uh, yeah, they've done a great job. They have certainly done a fantastic job. But uh, guys, real quick, we're gonna take a quick timeout, then we'll come back and we'll dissect the sixth race uh, coming up here at uh, Woodbine Mohawk. But real quick, Garnet, let's and this is one of the handicapping conundrums of all time is when we handicap a race and we take a look at eliminations. How do we handle eliminations as far as how good a horse looked or maybe how good a horse didn't look? How much weight do we put in their elimination races versus the lines before? Honestly, Mike, uh, this is one of the questions they asked in the program insert where I, I participated. And I said, you know, I said that, um, 
best advice under the best advice column is don't take too much of what happened in these races at face value, you know, to get a better, to get a better understanding of a horse's ability or even um, their typical racing style. Take a look back a little bit farther because a lot of these races, uh, many races, there was eight horses qualifying for the final in a 10 horse field. So, I mean, uh, some horses were driven with intent and some weren't, to be honest, and some were saving for this week. So, I think it could also help add to a horse's price where people think it might have went out form a little bit. But, uh, you know, my advice is um, look back a little bit farther at horses' uh, past performances to see. I think that's pretty good advice. Ace, do you have anything to add to that? I would, I would just say uh, pretty much the same thing. I take them with a grain of salt. You know, I wouldn't completely count a horse because of that elimination, especially if it was racing well beforehand. Um, I, I usually try to look at the previous efforts, but if I saw something in that elimination that maybe the horse hadn't shown previously, then I might give him extra consideration. Okay, race number six does start the $0.20, cent $10,000 guarantee pick five, and uh, also, of course, starts a rolling pick three that they have uh, pretty much on every race at Woodbine Mohawk. And, uh, guys, I'll throw it to you. Do you guys have a pick five ticket that you maybe want to share? Got one, but not yet. <laughs> You gotta give me a minute. Wait a minute. Here. You have one, but hey, you don't want to share. Maybe we should have a chat with him after saying? we go through pick five. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna give you a minute to put that together. We're gonna pay some bills. Take together, a timeout. No, you just got to find it. Okay, well, let's take a timeout anyway, because we got to pay some bills. When we come back, we're going to uh, talk about the pick five, plus we'll talk about the first Breeders' Crown event of the night. The two-year-old Philly Trotters will be in action for a purse of $786,000. We've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. We are live from Woodbine Mohawk. Back in a moment. Winback Farms welcomes three new stallions in 2019. New to New York, Boston Red Rocks, one of the 2015 Dan Patch Award for two-year-old pacing colts, and a Breeders' Crown champion. New to Pennsylvania, 34-time winner Heston Blue Chip, one of the Dan Patch Awards for three-year-old colt pacers, and a Breeders' Crown champion, also the sire of the second richest. Whitbank Farm yearlings are born to compete and raised to win. The 2019 lineup features siblings of rich performers and first foals from productive families. In 2019, Whitbank Farm is selling yearlings at Goshen on September 8th, the Ohio Selected Sale on September 13th, on Gate September 18th through the 21st, Lexington October 1st through the 5th, London October 19th and 20th, Harrisburg November 4th through the 6th, and the Harrisburg Mix Sale on November 7th and 8th. For more information, visit winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Every dream has a start, and this one is ours. To trot and pace fast, faster than all the others, and maybe faster than any horse ever has. 
With every stride, 1,200 pounds of pure equine determination. In every turn, there's a tale. Every bet is a hope. No five-year returns, no annuities, 401ks. Return on investment comes in seconds. Maybe they say that the odds are against you. But you know nothing great comes easy. Winners don't second-guess. They sprint through openings and dig in deeper when the going's tough. No horse ever rides alone. The owners, the driver, the groom, and you. There are no sidelines here. The world is often full of many compromises, but not here. Not on this day. Not in this race. Not with this horse. Not in this sport. Once you feel it, it becomes you. Once you become it, your dream becomes ours. This is Harness Racing. We welcome you to the Harness Racing Fan Zone. See it all for yourself. Feel it in all the passion. Share that experience with others. And be a part of it all. The Harness Racing Fan Zone puts you in the driver's seat. On post, I would like a mic presented by Bet America and the USTA, Mike Bozich, and we're broadcasting live from Woodbine Mohawk. We're joined by our team on staff, Garnet Barnsdale, Ace Barnsdale. We've got the two-year-old Philly truck coming up from Woodbine Mohawk, and it's in about uh, 13 minutes or so. So we're kind of going to dive into this field. It does also start the ten, the $100,000 guaranteed Pick Five, which of course covers the Breeders' Crown races, races six through ten, and uh, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. And guys. I'll tell you what, the pick five always yields really good value, it seems, more so than the pick four. It's amazing how sometimes that extra race can add hundreds, if not, in some cases, thousands of dollars garnered to the payoff. Absolutely. That's that one extra race and the 15% take-up. All right. Uh, Do you have Adriano? We have Adriano standing right here. All right, so why don't you go ahead and uh, Garnet? Why don't you uh, go ahead and uh, ask, uh, okay, go ahead and so, interview uh, Adriano? And so we've got Adriano Sorella here, owner of Jimmy Freight, and uh, quite a few other horses. But Jimmy Freight is the one we want to talk about because he's starting in the Breeders' Crown Open Pace tomorrow night on home turf, where he won the Mohawk Cup already this year. And uh, I guess you got to feel pretty good about the draw. Yeah, I mean it's better to draw the two than the ten. So I guess we're we're in good shape going in, going into tomorrow. Okay. Um, any idea what kind of strategy you're looking for? There could be a few of them leaving out of there. You think you could look to Scotty be looking for a silver up again? You know, I'm not really sure. We're going to leave it up to Scotty. I know that the, probably outsides can, might be leaving a little bit. I'm, I'm pretty sure Yannick is going to try to get some sort of position from out there. There's some speed on the inside as well. So, uh, I mean, he's going to have to work out a trip here. And, I mean, there's a lot of good horses in this race uh, tomorrow. So, uh, you know, it's, you're going to need a little bit of luck and a good trip. Yeah, it seems to be a pretty well uh, even matched uh, bunch this year. But you know, Jimmy's uh, he's had a good year. He's made he just made close to six hundred thousand now. 
I think this year, five hundred and change. Yeah, I think he's. I think you think he's right around the five hundred thousand dollar mark, or just a little shy of it. So for this year, but he's got uh, he's got a million four just on um, you know lifetime. So a little bit more than that. But uh, I mean, uh, you know, it's a big race tomorrow. It's, you know, a lot of cash, and uh, you know how it is. Everybody wants to win the crown. Not uh, not too shabby for a horse you pulled out of the cornfields. Uh, what uh, what do you think's next for him after the Breeders' Crown? Uh, you know. <laughs> it might look like the Breeders' Crown might be his last race. Uh, I think that uh, we'll see how tomorrow goes, but it could be uh, it could be the last we see of Jimmy Freight. Wow. Okay, there's a little bit of a bombshell for you there. We'll leave it we'll leave it at that for now and uh, see how it transpires, guys. All right, so you heard it here. This could be the last that we see of Jimmy Freight on the racetrack. That's certainly kind of breaking news, guys, as uh, we uh, concentrate now on this two-year-old Philly Tron. $786,000 is the purse, and we are 10 minutes away from a start. And uh, once again, we see the equipment changes on the screen, number eight. Shishido is going from side rolls to blinkers, and nine violet strides going from side rolls uh, as well. And once again, we constantly talk about this. this is another conundrum, I think, in handicapping is when we see these uh, equipment changes. And quite frankly, a lot of handicappers don't really know what's what the trainer is trying to accomplish with these equipment changes. So, Garnet, I'll turn to you. How much uh, how much do we put into these equipment changes from a handicapping point of view? Well, that's another interesting thing that just reminded me of uh, a piece of advice in this insert, and that came from Ken Middleton under the best advice category. And it says, you know, some things to watch for from the eliminations to this week is look for equipment changes, right? They're trying something different that they think is going to improve the horse's performance. Uh, You know, I don't know of any specific changes to talk about. You know, shoeing changes can be big. Uh, Bridle changes can be a sign of intent. When they go from uh, blinkers to blind, it's like, you know, going from – blinkers off the blinkers on kind of in throwbird racing so you could expect the horse to show a little bit more speed there so um yeah you think just that a horse has an equipment change is a, is a signal that you know something could improve it could be some moves they've tried in the past with that specific horse or other horses so i think it's definitely something to look for now, of course, uh, we're going to be talking about this race in just a moment, but uh, just on the screen, um, and we'd certainly be remiss if we did not talk about the uh, retirement of Lather Up. Of course, one of uh, another freaky, talented horse uh, from the uh, George Dink Stables just announced his retirement. He, of course, is going to stud. I believe he'll be standing at Brittany Farms. And, uh, guys, uh, I mean, Lather Up, I mean, once again, freakish talent, freaky fast. Uh, just a horse that uh, just had unbelievable speed. When he was uh, sound, I mean, he was just, like you said, like freakishly fast. Like, I mean, there's when he was sound, I don't think anybody could touch him, but he had some issues. And, um, you know, uh, he also had some issues on the smaller turns, which makes it a little bit interesting that he's in New York. But obviously, with the best of the luck, we want to see uh, we want to see exciting horses. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, he's a he was really easy to write about because he just kept churning out the world records. I mean, he's he's he had one of the best four-year-old seasons I've ever seen in my time on the earth. And uh, yeah, I'll always I'll always remember him for that. I'll always remember some of his biggest wins. And uh, yeah, I think he's I think although I don't know I don't know the first thing about how to breed a horse, but I think uh, could be some pretty good babies on the way. 
Yeah, no question about it. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that kind of interests me. I mean, listen, I'm a track announcer, and, you know, we do the radio show, and I, I really don't get involved too much on the other side of the horse racing business as far as the breeding and the racing goes. But, I mean, really, Garnet, is it a hit or miss, I mean, as far as the performance on the track versus the performance in the breeding shed? Um, the more I kind of hang around people that talk about breeding horses and stuff, the more I hear that, uh, a lot of it has to do with getting really good mares. I mean, you got, when you get top sires, like, you know, better's delight, captain treacherous, um, you know, to, to a certain little bit of a lesser extent in Ontario sports writer, it seems like the ones that gets the, get the best mares, uh, produce the best horses, which makes a little bit of sense, right? Um, is it, is it a little bit hit and miss? Obviously you have, uh, you know, there's some horses that have sold for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars that can't stay on the trot or, or, or pace, right? So, but um, I think, you know, breed the, breed the best of the best and hope for the best is the old saying, and I guess that's pretty much what it is. Garnet, taking a look at the script, they've, they've got the picks up on the screen right now, and you are the only one that is taking a chance on this Dip Me Hanover, who is 19 to 1 right now on the board. The only other handicapper that has uh, her selected anywhere on the radar is fourth, and that's Mike Probosio, friends at uh, Nahu Picks. But uh, Dip Me Hanover, I'll tell you what, she kind of fits the profile of the horse that has been winning from yeah, and I, I don't think uh, I, this is one where I, I I definitely think she's not as bad as she looked in the uh, in the uh, elimination. She closed wildly. Uh, she you know she's well in finals. She only had to beat two horses and she beat five. So um, you know uh, obviously things have to shake out her way. There's got to be some action. But so far tonight we've seen quite a bit of action in these races. Ace. Yeah, they they went to battle, especially in that uh, in that previous race. I mean, Ideal Jail wasn't connected at the front. We had a horse uh, still still hung out trying to get the lead on the on the first turn, and uh, yeah, that was that was really fast, especially 53 and four for the condition horse at Mohawk. Uh, they're good horses, but that's still pretty fast for them. So I'm wondering if we'll see that trend continue, especially with the two best with two of the better horses still on the inside. All right, they are getting ready to come out onto the racetrack, so we're going to do this post trade in just a moment. But, Garnet, we promised everybody that we would take a look at your pick five ticket. I hope you dug it up out of your pocket. And uh, we've got a good live ticket here that's going to make money here tonight. Well, hopefully. Um, you want to go through it? Let's do it. All right, so I went actually went – I mean, I, I got my win bet on Dip Me Hanover, but I actually went five deep in this uh, opening leg. I got – Hypnotic AM, Sister Sledge, Dippy Hanover, uh, Miss, Ms. Savannah Bell, and Ramona Hill. And Ramona Hill's going off at 10 to 1, being a little bit discounted. Last week, this is what's interesting going from eliminations to finals. Last week, she was 50 cents of the dollar, 1 to 2. Tonight, she's got the 10 hole. Um, you know, I, I don't think Mac- Andrew McCarthy, I don't think, has any choice but to leave with her. So she's probably going to get put into the race a little bit more than she was last week, and she's 10 to 1. So that's the opening leg. I'm five deep there. And the now I go to two singles. Uh, race seven, I'm singling Lion Sentinel, even though um, you know, even though it looks it looks like a contentious race. I've been impressed with Lion Sentinel all year. She's got the rail. I think at some point Teacher controls it. Hopefully uh, she doesn't get picked up by uh, one of the closers at the very end. Pages in this program, man. What race do I need next? The eighth. I race guess. number eight. Yep. I singled real cool Sam uh, from the nine hole. You know, per- perfection. Hopefully, we'll we'll continue. And then I'm, I went three deep in the last two legs. I went uh, in the two-year-old Colt, 
pace. Poppy Rob Hanover, Captain Midnight, Tall Dark Stranger, so 357. In the 10th race, I used three horses. Lions Pegasus, who's been on fire, won like three straight, really fast times. Cliffhanger, who I think will blast and probably sit a trip behind Lions Pegasus. And I used JIM, a horse I kind of followed all year. Uh, comes off a couple nice races against older horses in, at Flamborough. He's 15 to 1 in the morning line. So my ticket looks like this 1, 2, 4, 5, 10 with 1, with 9, with 3, 5, 7, with 7, 8, 9. You can bet that for 20 cents for $9. That's all it costs. And I'm pretty sure if it clicks, you'll get more than 9 bucks back. All right. That's all. The winner is so uh, Ace is still with us, right, Garnet? He is. All right, so we're going to do this post-parade. They're coming out onto the racetrack. I'll start with the one, Garnet, if you want to go to the two, and the ace go to the three, and we'll continue along that lines. It's the uh, two-year-old Philly final. The Breeders' Crown, $786,000. It starts the $100,000 guaranteed pick five, and number one is the two-to-one co-favorite, Hypnotic Am, who suffered her first defeat in her elimination. That's on October 18th against Sister Sledge. Otherwise, she has been perfect on her career. Her earnings are just shy of $400,000. She's on by Corrupt Incorporated, trained by Marcus Meanlander, Brian Sears. The regular driver will stay in the bike on number one, Hypnotic Am. The two sister sledge has eight wins, a second and a third from ten starts, three for Nathan and Dolly made. Chops is not a game last week. She handed her defeat, trained by Ron McGinn, by Burke Racing State, several partners, including Weaver Buscemi. That's sister sledge, number two. Starting from post three is the Indiana Philly May Baby. She's going for James Yoder, James Yoder, and Cheyenne Yoder. Uh, uh, she finished fourth in the elimination, and otherwise she's for eight lifetime. Okay. All right. Number four, Dipme Hanover, is owned by Camelot Stable Incorporated, Dreamville Stables, Randy Farms, LLC. Trained by Linda Toscano, Dave Miller is the driver. This is actually Garnet's pick. I probably should have let you talk about this one, Garnet, but nonetheless, she raced okay last time. She closed mildly uh, into the lane 54 and 4 in the Miss Savannah Bell in, the, in, uh, in that elimination. But if you look at her lines previous, winner of the Peaceful Way, and she'd look good doing so. She's about 45 on the dollar today. She is 20 to 1. So certainly the place is right. Absolutely. The five Ms. Savannah Bell is taking lots of action. 5 to 2 currently. She was a winner of the pocket last week in her elimination for Yannick Jingra, but he chose to drive Sister Sledge. So we get Tim Tietrich on Ms. Savannah Bell, owned by Al Libfeld of Pickering, Ontario, trained by Per Englund, currently 5 to 2. Number six is Wine Rack Hanover. This one, I think, uh, has an upset chance here. She got fire in September with three wins. And actually, one of them in October finished second in the last two races. She's going for uh, Nifty Norm, Pinsky Stables, Dr. J, Bridget Soplonsky, Sylvan Filion is in the bike. Number six, Weinrack Hanover. Number seven is Madam Sherry, two-year-old filly by Father Patrick, owned by Coyote Wind Farms, trained by Jim Campbell. Matthew Cayley is the driver, winner of the International Stallion a couple of starts back. She won a, sire, a Stallion Series event on the Meadows, at the Meadows, back on August 28th. She was fifth in her elimination. She was 32-1 to one then, and she is even longer now, the longest shot on the board at 54-1. to one. The H. Shishido has, uh, was uh, given plenty of uh, press in the DRF Harness newsletter by uh, several handicappers. She has only finished off once in 10 starts, was a good third in her elimination. She's trained by Per Engblom for Black Horse Racing and John Fielding, and she gets Dexter Dunn, who was the king of Mohawk last weekend. 
Number nine is Violet Stride, trained by Mark Carter for Emilio Rosati and Maria Rosati of Lidman, South Carolina, driven today by Tyler Buter. He took over the duties three starts back in the bluegrass, got her within two and a half lengths, and then won the International Stallion going way by three and a half lengths. Finished fourth last week in the LM. Number nine, Violet Stride. Number 10 is Ramona Hill, and uh, that, uh, Garnett made a very good point about this one. She has been the favorite in three of her last starts. Beaten favorite last time in the elimination at 50 cents on the ballot. Never got involved with Spark Tomorrow. Still was able to finish third on by one of the great ambassadors, guys, of the sport of harness racing, Bradley Grant, Crawford Farms Racing, Bob LeBlanc, and the gym partners, Tony Alania trains, Andy McCarthy drives, Ramona Hill has won five of six races, and right now she is super, super value, guys, at 16 to 1. And that's a look at the field of 10. And uh, once again, as we kind of seek our last-minute selections here, guys, we talk about value. And, Garnet, you mentioned one 16 to 1, Ramona Hill, who was the favorite in her elimination. She was parked the out. She obviously had a very tough trip. I guess that the hunters are just kind of saying that post-10 is too much for her to handle right now. I would think. I mean, I guess that's that's the thinking. But, uh, you know, if you uh, if you liked her last week, why wouldn't you take a stab at her at 16 or 17 to 1 tonight? I, I, I can't see her not leaving here. She's going to probably leave in the top five. And uh, that puts her into the race, right? And we'll have to see how things go. But this is... Um, you know, this is a bit of a rarity in that we got three horses under three to one here in a Breeders' Crown race. Quite often, as we're going to see probably more so tomorrow night and a little bit later, there's dominant favorites. They don't all win, but a lot of times there's horses that look dominant on paper that are really bet off the board. And this is a this is a great betting race. We got Wine Rack Hanover sitting only at nine to one. I think that's the horse you like, right, Ace? Um, only currently nine to one from the six hole with Sylvan Philly on. Um, you know, there's lots of horses taking action. The eight Shishito's only ten to one. So. Um, you know, the board indicates it's somewhat wide open. No question about it. Uh, And, uh, you know, five to two, uh, Miss Savannah Bell is getting uh, a lot of wagering attention. She definitely looked good in her elimination. Don't get me wrong. 53 and two, three and a half length winner. Uh, Tim Tietrich is uh, driving, of course, Yannick Shingra going to uh, uh, more times than not pick the Ron Burke horse. But uh, this is a horse that has won four of eight. She seems to be peaking at the right time. She had a really good run in Lexington. Um, but still, five to two, maybe a little bit short on her, Garnet. Maybe. I was just going to mention, though, just before you started talking about her, they put her on the screen. And I was going to mention how good she looked on the racetrack. She looked, uh, if I, you know, if you had to have one of those pick of the paddock things or pick of the score down, that would be the one I picked. She looked dynamite out there. Number two, Sister Sledge is three to one. She is the one that gives Hypnotic Am her first defeat last time in the eliminations. She has been really good. I had a chance to see her at Harris Philadelphia live in person back on the 8th of September when she won the Pennsylvania Sire Stakes. She was kind of all out to well, beat a horse named Sorella. You guys are probably familiar with that horse. Of course, I think after our man Adriano. But, uh, you know, listen, I mean, she has performed really well. Um, you know, she was a pocket rocket last time. Uh, she's got speed, but so do others. I think this is one, Garnet, where the trip is really going to tell the tale about her, uh, how she's going to do. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I mean, you can say that probably for a few of them. I think, I think this is one of those races that goes to the best trip. And that's why I'm kind of hoping that, uh, dip me Hanover toes, it gets towed on a, onto a helmet for most of the race and uh, can spring an upset late. Of course, that is Shannon Sugar Doyle's pick. And, of course, we 
Should talk about Hypnotic Gambit right now. She is the slight favorite at 9-5 to five on the board. She definitely loves to be up close early. She's got a lot of speed. She draws inside. No question where she is going to be. She's going to be on or near the lead every step of the way, if not leading from uh, the first step. She's certainly going to be put into uh, a brushing position. Uh, tra- uh, driver Brian Sears, the regular driver here. But once again, we just have to ask ourselves, how much stock do we put in the eliminations? I mean, she did get away with the 29 and one second quarter last time. So she got the rating that she wanted, but she could not hold off Sister Sledge. So, darn it, once again, here's the handicapping conundrum. How much emphasis do we put on her elimination? Well, she's been off a month. She had a qualifier that was good. Her qualifier was very good. But, well, I mean, uh, can part of the plan be to not be fully up last week, maybe just only be eighty percent cranked up. Sure, it can, right? So that's what you got. You got to decide if taking nine to five is enough for you uh, to incorporate all that kind of stuff. All right. So the countdown clock's under twenty seconds. Uh, Garnet, I'll give you one more chance to make a case for Dip Me Hanover. She's going to be flying. Who do you like? Eh? I'm on Sister Sledge. She's just a beast. She was dominating over in Pennsylvania, and uh, I think she might be a little bit underrated here in three to one. All right, guys. Well, let's. Uh, we're going to give you the live race call. I'll do the race call for the uh, two-year-old filly trot. It is the Breeders' Crown. They're going for a purse of $786,000. It does start the $100,000 guaranteed pick five. A field of 10 will do battle. One final look at the odds board. Three to two right now on number one, Hypnotic Am, who is in the colors of uh, Caranth Incorporated. Sister Sledge right now, three to one on the board, five to two, actually going down to five to two again, five Miss Savannah Bell. She is taking some heavy, heavy pressure right now as the starting gate starts to roll. It is the two-year-old Philly Breeders' Crown Final from Woodbine Mohawk, a field of 10, locking horns, and the gate starts to roll. Once again, they start 10 across at the Woodbine Mohawk Oval. So number 10, Ramona Hill will start from the far outside. And they go around the turn. Once again, Woodbine Mohawk, seven furlongs in distance. They straighten out. They near the start. The two-year-old Philly Breeders' Crown Final from Woodbine Mohawk. And here they come. There, off and trotting. From the inside, Sister Sledge moves out for the lead. Hypnotic Hill and Miss Savannah Bell is put into play early, but so are the outside horses. Ramona Hill is flying early on. McCarthy has got his pedal to the metal, and Ramona Hill is going to circle up to take the lead and clear before the turn, and she means business. This is going to be a wild opening quarter, guys, as Ramona Hill opens up to lead by three and a half lengths. Sister Sledge is second. Miss Savannah Bell got away third in front of Hypnotic Gam, who's five lengths off the lead fourth. They got the quarter in 27, so they're on a good one as they start their journey up the bank stretch. Ramona Hill leads it by a length and a half. Sister Sledge has since tightened down. Miss Savannah Bell is third, only three lengths off the lead, while Pylon, a length better than Hypnotic Dam, who is fourth. Then it's May Baby fifth, and here is Hypnotic Dam driving out of fourth now. Towards the inside, Dippy Hanover is already at a loss for racing room. Outside, Shishito moves up in what is sure to be a live flow, and behind her eighth is Violet Stride. Inside of hers, Wine Rack Hanover, and Madam Sherry trails the field 
field, and Hypnotic Cam has completed the fourth to first brush, halftime 56. That was a 29-second quarter. Around the turn they go. It's Hypnotic Cam by a length. Ramona Hill in the pocket second. May Baby now the long shot is left first over, and she is making headway third. Sister Slice pinned to the inside fourth. They come to the top of the stretch. Miss Savannah Bell's in perfect striking range for Tim Tietrich fifth. As they straighten away for the stretch drive, Hypnotic Cam on the inside. May Baby on the outside is trying to spring a major upset here. Ramona Hill looks for racing room. So to the sister sledge. Mid-stretch, Hypnotic Am has the lead. Ramona Hill on the outside trying to spring this big upset. Sister Sledge now two lengths back third. Ramona Hill is grinding and she takes over as they come down to the final 100. Hypnotic Am is second down to the finish. It's upsetter. Ramona Hill in the Breeders' Crown. She wins going away under wraps. Impressive victory here. Sister Sledge may have gotten up for second, but it was Ramona Hill and she was sharp at good odds in 153 and two. Guys, we talked about value, and there it is, 14 to 1, but I'm not sure that we expected that kind of impressive effort garnered from Ramona Hill. I'm, I didn't expect it, but I'm not shocked at all. Like I said, it's a totally different game with the money in the line. She's going to leave. She blasted. She was fast, which you got to do from the 10 hole, and then she set the, set the best trip, right? So, um, you know, I, hopefully I can get the next four down to five because that's a good way to start it. Certainly a good way to start it. No question about it. 14 to 1 on the board. But we talked about, once again, we seek value all the time, not only in these races, but in overnight races, Garnet. We seek value. And here is a horse that the last three times has gone off 20 cents on the dollar, 90 cents on the dollar in her elimination, 50 cents on the dollar. Tough trip. But I'll tell you what, Andy McCarthy had his pedal to the metal. That horse absolutely took off from post 10. And uh, I'll tell you what, that was, uh, in my opinion, that was a great try for Mr. McCarthy. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, like I said, like I was saying earlier, uh, you got you got to look back in the in the past performances. If you put a line through, if you put a line through the elimination race, Mike, you got you got to you would expect this filly to leave, wouldn't you? I mean, she leaves every other start. It was just, uh, you know, kind of mild drive. Let's sure we make the final. And I guess they weren't worried. They weren't worried about uh, something like uh, happening, like drawing the ten hole. And uh, they didn't have to be, as it turned out. No, she's not sitting. I mean, I, we, we talked about this right before the race, Garnet. She is not sitting. I mean, the only chance that she has, and you mentioned it right there in the post parade, the only chance that she had was the blast, and that ex- that's exactly what she did. Uh, number two, Sister Sledge finished second. One, Hypnotic Am was third. Seven, Madam Sherry of 99 to one fourth. So this is going to be some good – we're going to have some good payoffs there, guys. We're going to have some good uh, – uh, definitely a good super effect to pay off with the 99 to one fourth and the 14 to one on top, even though you had the two logicals in the middle. And, uh, Garner, what a great way to start the pick five with this 14 to one. Yeah, I need to get these next two singles down now badly. And uh, I played it for 60 cents, too, so this could be a pretty good score if I could if I could close it out. But long way to go. All right. Well, you know, listen, if you, if you do hit that, uh, it's going to be dinner on you, right? I, I always, it's always dinner on me, unless it's check the game. <laughs> Just mail so, the check the game. So there we, have, um, there we have Ramona Hill in the winner's circle. A beautiful cooler. And... Uh, my buddy Ace has uh, vacated the scene to, to go try and get a post-race interview from one of the winning connections. We'll see what he can come up with. If he doesn't uh, get an interview, he's fired. 
Okay, well, I'm sure he'll be able to get Andy McCarthy. Andy McCarthy, a big friend of the show, really, really good guy, and good to see Andy McCarthy get in the winner's circle on this Breeder Crown Night. Ramona Hill, trained by Tony Alani, owned by Bradley Grant, Crawford Farms, Bob LeBlanc, in the gym partners. This is a Crawford Farm homebred, and uh, I'll tell you what, she looked phenomenal, phenomenal here tonight. I mean, she definitely brought her a game from post 10, blasted out of there, was able to yield uh, to Hypnotic Ann, who Garnet had to make a, kind of an extended brush there for the first, you know, ideally when you're making the brushing move, which has become, you know, pretty popular in the sport of harness racing, you know, you see the brush, but, uh, you know, you, you prefer to be, you know, second or third. Of course, the first brush is a little bit extended. Yeah, and you, you know you can get strung out when you have to do that. But I mean, I don't think she had much of a choice at that point. It was it was interesting. Uh, you know, Sister Sledge kind of got shuffled a little bit, and uh, my horse, uh, my really dipped me Hanover. She she came out in the stretch, but she got behind a little bit of traffic too. And right near the end, she tipped to the far outside and was probably fifth, beating about five. I mean, she wasn't going to win the race, but uh, she could have hit the board with a little bit of a better better racing luck, I think. Certainly. Well, congratulations to the connections of Ramona Hill, and we're going to catch up with them in just a second. We're going to take a quick time out. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA. We'll be back in just a moment. Looking to bet on great racing from around the country and around the world? There's no better place than BetAmerica.com. But there's also no better time to join because right now we're offering a 100% sign-up bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Simply open a new account at BetAmerica, make your first deposit, and we'll add your bonus immediately. It's It's that easy. easy. Sign up today at BetAmerica.com. Post time, gates moving. They're off and it is on. Every year, the Harness Horse Youth Foundation travels the country to share the love of harness racing with the next generation. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation educates, introducing youth to new friends and opportunities. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Learn how you can support bringing kids and horses together, building a stronger future for the sport. Visit hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer or driver? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers. 12 championship races. One spectacular night. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. 
It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Putin, Shane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training surface in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. Let's get to what we want to get to, the prices. And I know Garnett's going to be happy with the 3180 win mutual to start his uh, pick five. The winning exact of 10-2 with Ramona Hill and Sister Sledge returns $75.75. The 20-cent trifecta returns $35.98. Keep my next 40 cent play. The 20-cent superfecta returns. How about this, Garnet? How about this, Garnet? 20-cent superfecta, 900 $83.64 just because of the 99 to 1 shot on the bottom end. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you got to have the winner on top, but I mean, if you go, if you like Ramona Hill, the next two are easy to have underneath, and you take all for fourth. Man, that's a, that's a nice ticket. Maybe I should have played I mean, a super difference. instead of a pick five. Well, the di- well, the difference between the 20 cent try payoff and the 20 cent superfecta payoff. We talk about the extra number, like we just talked about the difference between a pick four and a pick five. I mean, right. there is a uh, there is a nine there's a nine hundred and forty some dollar difference. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I guess you can't say enough about the drive that Andrew McCarthy gave Ramona Hill, but I, I wasn't totally surprised by it. I mean, he had, like I said, he's going to leave in the top five for sure. I didn't expect him to clear by three lengths by the wire, but uh, that's the way to do it if you're stuck out there, especially um, if you think you got one of the best horses in the race. You have to go for it, right? And the 20-cent pick three pays $108.69. And Mike Carter, who is conspicuous by his absence tonight, says he is alive in the pick five. So, obviously, he is redboarding right now at this point in time. <laughs> well, no way. Probably just give it on the air. Well, no, no. Let's, you know what, Mike Carter, listen, put your, put your ticket on Facebook or uh, Twitter. If you're alive, put your ticket on Twitter because I don't believe you. I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't believe it. I know how That's much right. of a chalk player Carter is, and I guarantee you, if Sister Sledge or Hypnotic Am did not win that race, he didn't have no part of that pick five. He's a he's, he's a he's a Hang on, Hang on. you got to you got to hear the story about uh, at Hoosier Park. Mike gets a horse that's uh, we look up at the board. It's forty to one, right? And we look at the horse and go, "You're nuts, Mike." And he's like, well, "No, the horse improved on Lasix." Look, I'm like, "Okay, yeah, the horse improved on Lasix, but you're kind of nuts." So we go watch the race. And we're watching and battling, and then right at the end, this blur goes by, and I'm like, "My lord, that's Mike's horse in 48 to one." So we turn around, and we go, we we go back to him, and he's to try. He's got like two with one four and with one two four seven ten or something like that, and he he had the third horse third and the third horse second. If you get my drift, he needed to have the he missed one of the numbers and. Uh, he had a fifty cent try and it paid like four grand for a dollar or something. And he didn't have any money to put up the win, so he may not have the best bet. So basically, Mike Carter is the obscure ticket playing guy. 
Wow, look at look at this ticket. He played it for uh he did, he How much did you play okay. that for? 60 he's got 1 2 4 5 10 with one, so he's got 1 2 3 4 in this race. Then uh, 9 I then 3 5 it. 7 then 7 8 9. Nick mm-hmm. find the line. Nick can't mm-hmm. hit anybody I don't think. There I don't go. Well, 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 I'm gonna tell you what I, I don't get uh, I, I don't get his I think Carter's making this ticket up to be honest with you. I don't think he's got it. <laughs> this is not his kind of ticket. He he wouldn't play thirty six bucks on a ticket if his life depended on it. <laughs> I don't know since he played it. We'll have All to right, see. Well, if, if the ticket comes in, then we'll have to see if he's got a receipt. <laughs> well, well, yeah, we'll see if he's buying some because I'll tell you what, if he hits this one, he's he's on his dinner. Well, that's going to be actually, you guys are going to have to split it, but it's going to have to be a steakhouse. It can't be McDonald's like you guys usually take me to. Anyway, race number seven is coming up. It uh, it is the uh, Breeders' Crown final for two year old Philly Pacers. Uh, field of ten to do battle. Uh, obviously, Lion Sentinel I think is the whore, is the uh, elephant in the room here, Garnet. You singled him on your pick five ticket, and I think you've got every reason to. I mean, he's been the favorite the last, uh, well, for the last five starts, and he's walked the walk. Had a chance to see him here back in the Stimson on the ninth. Uh, he was just super impressive. Never asked for any kind of pace, and just dominated that field and uh, dominated the freaking. Uh, the uh, elimination. So Garnet, I mean, Lion Sentinel is certainly the one to be here, and of course he's got the he's got the pole position. Yeah, we got um, we got well, we got another powerful looking priceless seven to five. She's she's taking a little bit more. She was a dominant fifty five going out and fifty five two coming home, but she was never headed. And this is the thing about elimination. Um, I you know, I I just don't, I can't see a horse going to the front. In this race, with all the best ones now in here and not getting hit, it. so uh, did did prices look good? Yeah, absolutely. And she's had a good year so far. But um, you know, Tim's teacher comes. I don't think she's going to leave her hang her out there. So right now, prices is taking the most money. So uh, it's, it's going to be a little bit interesting. This is, of course, uh, Brandon Bates' horse, guys, and. Uh... You know, uh, this is a great story. I mean, Brandon Bates a really good guy. I mean, shares uh, – he's an Indiana-based driver. Of course, this horse has done uh, a lot of her damage at Hoosier Park. And uh, Brandon Bates a uh, very active on Twitter, one of those guys that kind of reaches out to the fans, talks to the fans. I mean, a really good story. And certainly, Garnet, this would be an excellent story if Brandon Bates can win uh, his first Breeders' Crop. You're right. He's one of the more um, – more, uh... Regular guys on Twitter participate mm-hmm. quite a bit. Fans ask questions. He responds, or if somebody congratulates or says thank you, whatever. You know, it's kind of it's that kind of interaction. Even you know, just acknowledging that people are are you know contacting you. That I think um, fans appreciate him better. He gives better information. So um, definitely a good story. You know, he trains and drives the horse. He's definitely an up and comer uh, in the sport. And um, right now, he's there's only two horses that they're clearly favoring on the board, and he's driving one of them. Garnet, how how do you feel about uh, the uh, horseman interaction on Twitter? I mean, obviously, I think that's something that we need. The more interaction that we can get uh, between anybody in the sport of harness racing, um, you know, with maybe regular or casual fans is good. But, uh, you know, in particular, horseman interaction, uh, how do you feel about that? You think we need more? Absolutely. I mean, uh, social media is out there for everything, right? Like, I mean, you have, uh, it's just so prompt, prevalent with it in everybody's lives. I mean, <laughs> I'm probably on it more, more than I should be, at, especially at my age. But, 
yeah, I mean, it's 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 about getting um, out there, getting exposure, getting hits, getting every every time somebody somebody makes tweet about harness race exposure. So, so I look. Looks like, course, uh, looks like Ace came up empty-handed. He's, oh, I'm going to fire him. Okay, Ace, you're fired. Anyways, uh, and I guess we, he can uh, give us a little bit of rundown on who you like in the Seth race, Nick, the two-year-old Philly Pace. Well, yeah, it looks like I'm not a big guy. I hope I can make some money for the You might want to turn, uh, Garnet, you might want to turn, turn Ace's mic up. There we go. There we go. How's that? All right, Here. I'm back. Uh, that's a that's a failure times two now. Didn't get anyone for the interview and uh, didn't have my mic on. But let's hope I can get some 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 winners for the fans. I like in this race. I take a little bit of a shot. I'm gonna go with Alicorn. Alicorn has been uh, really good in Ontario all year long. Won those super finals, which is which are definitely not easy. I, I I don't I don't know if there's any kind of a stigma around that, but those races are actually very tough to win. And she's shown a lot of great miles over the course of the year. And she's right now 81. I think that's 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 a substantial way. Well, you know what, guys? She was five cents on the dollar when she won that Ontario Super Final, and uh, you know she. I thought she raced good in her elimination. I mean, she brushed up. She was part of the quarter. She got to the front. The second quarter wasn't all that hot, but you know it's not going to be all that hot in these kind of races. Let's be perfectly honest with you. Um, and she lost to New Year, who was grinding up first over uh, for uh, driver Corey Callahan and trainer Ross Krogan. But, uh, you know, looking at the wagering board right now, I mean, obviously we've got a couple of 7-5 to five shots. Lion Sentinel, we knew she was going to take a lot of play. Priceless, we knew she was going to take a lot of play. But after that, we've got New Year's at 4-1 to one, and Alley Corn at 8-1. to one, And the rest are going to be double digits. Now, outside of post four, Garnet, outside of post four, Maybe not to win, but maybe to run second or third if you're playing exactas or tries. Who do we look to outside of first four? I think we look right back to Andrew McCarthy driving with me again. I've been favored in her elimination last week. She went off at it looks like a dollar eighty to one. Uh, the race before she was a beaten favorite in International Stallion Stake. She's been a bit of a buzz of Philly all year long from when she first started out. She had a really bad trip to Meadowlands where she was uh, she was jammed until late. She flew home like 25 and change and stuff. And it's amazing how you know how the buck can all of a sudden or the bloom can fall off the rose, so to speak. Because um, you know she was considered to be one of the top ones uh, earlier in the year. You see, there's a race. Uh, there was a race at Hawk Park, the Eternal Camnation. She was five cents smaller, and so you know paid the minimum. And now you're looking at a 34 to one shot. I mean, I don't know if she's such a terrible win bet here, especially after seeing the way McCarthy drove from the ten hole last time. How the bloom could fall off of a rose. I got to tell you, I've never heard that one before. That's a pretty good one, Garnet. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's an old, that's like an old guy saying. You're, you're too young for that one. <laughs> All the bloom can fall. I could use that in about 30 different scenarios right now. But anyway, um, so Lion Sentinel is a horse that I saw two starts back at Harris Philly. Looked very good. It was a Simpson event. Um, you know, the, the competition that she saw that day is certainly not the, comp- the competition that she sees this day. But nonetheless, she hasn't finished worse than second. She won a Breeders' Crown elimination. She draws the inside. She draws the pole position. Now, let me ask you this. Sometimes the rail starting spot can be a little tricky, right? Absolutely. As a, as a Mohawk, it, it's weird 
you know, tricky is actually the best word to describe it. Sometimes, for just some reason, I don't know, maybe it's the slope of the track, but they can just get surrounded by someone outside. Uh, if the outside horse doesn't actually have the speed, the track just builds that up somehow and lets them get by. So, so while a lot of people still have it in their minds that the one hole is the best horse you can draw, it's certainly not in park. You want to be drawing five or six. And that seems to be the most popular uh, positions, uh, n- no matter what. I mean, the fi- with the exception of the half-mile track, the 5 eight track, the 7 furlong track, and the one-mile, it seems like post 4, 5, or 6 is where you want to be. So, uh, you know, sometimes the rail can be tough. Um, it depends, I guess, on how much speed it is from the outside. But, Barnett, we have seen in these races, not only in the first Breeders' Crown race, but throughout the overnights here tonight, that these guys are fired up and leaving from the outside here. And this could put Lion Sentinel in a little bit of a spot, kind of like it did Hypnotic Am back in race number six, our first Breeders' Crown race, because he had to, or excuse me, um, she had to make an extended brush from fourth to first. And you know what? That could have taken just a little bit too much out of her. Could Lion Sentinel face that same fate here? And, uh, I think it's interesting to note, I don't believe us, um, Hill turned for home with the lead, did she? She came around the pocket. Correct. So, there you go. so now we're with did not for home with the lead. I think I want to point out about Lion Sentinel. If you look at what money was on the line once, you know, big money, $540,000, that she's a great lady. She showed you what she's really can do there. Uh, sitting in the pocket, the alley corner, she kind of bided her time. She pulled first for the three quarters and, and motored home in 26 flat to go 149 and three, which is by far the fastest mark in here. So, um, you know, I, I honestly think she's a little of an overlay here. I don't, uh, you know, I, I give respect to but I, I just I've always believed that in this division, Lion Sentinel's much the best filly, and I guess I guess we're going to find out. I mean, I've been wrong. Uh, I got wrong six times before tonight, so seven would uh, wouldn't be that many. Just one. Tetrick is one of the great strategists, in my opinion, in this game as far as a driver goes. Um, so he is, you know, he's going to try to put this horse in a position to win. Obviously, like all these drivers are going to try to put themselves in a position to win. Um, I think that Dietrich realizes that he's going to have to use her early because if she comes in an extended brush from fourth to fifth, or if she tries to come first over, you know, things could get dicey. So I expect her to be on the scene early. She's three to two on the board right now, eight to five on three, priceless nine to two on four New Year. They're out parading. Let's take a look at the field. We'll keep the same formula. I'll go one, Garnet, you go two, Ace, you go three. Lion Sentinel is from post one, the two-year-old Captain Treacherous Philly, and what a sire he has turned out to be, by the way, guys. Owned by three, three Lions Racing Trained by Jim King. Tim Tietrick is the driver. She's won 8 of 13. She's never finished worse than second. Her resume speaks for herself. She's over $600,000 in career earnings. She's won her elimination. She's riding a win streak. She's obviously in form. And uh, she is, in my opinion, the one to be. Speaking of great sire, the two Alicorn is by Better as Delight out of the Arts Place Marymythical. Alicorn, seven wins, four seconds in 12 starts, made over $500,000. She is the Queen Bee in Ontario, won the Ontario uh, Sire Stakes Super Final by three lengths, a $225,000 race, beaten only half length by Lion Sentinel in the She's a Great Lady, which was a $540,000 race, owned by Windermere Stables, Robert Muscara, trained by Chantal Mitchell, and driven by Louis Philippe Wah. From the three-hole, we have the slate choice, 
Priceless. This one's driven and trained by Brandon Bates for Kevin Miller. Uh, and Illinois. Uh, won her elimination only made four and three quarter victory for Priceless. Seven for ten now, last time with $344,000 in earnings. This one is very dangerous to the favorite, although we could see a little shift in the action to make her favorite as well. Number four is New Year. Two year old Philly by Sunbeat somewhere, owned by Let It Ryan Stables, Mr. Dana Parham, trained by Ross Krogan, Corey Callahan in the bike, winner of two straight, another elimination winner. She's won four of five. She's lightly raced, but I'll tell you what, her small resume has uh, really dictated some good results. And right now, she is nine to two on the board. I think, guys, that she has got perhaps the most upside in this race. She does, and I think another one with upsides the five Lady Lou, owned by Brad Graham, just won a, won a Breeders' Crown race. And the six trained by Tony Alani, driven by the Yannick Jingra. This this filly was coming on pretty hard at the end of her last mile. She had a twenty dollar try, uh, cashed with her for third, and she almost got up to beat Alicorn. She fired up at the end of that mile, and getting Jingra at thirty three to one from a good post it wouldn't be the worst bet you made this weekend, I don't think. Six just looks in a romp. We got trainer Ronald Burke, who, no offense to him, I don't think he would look good in a romper. Uh, this horse on, is eh? one flip in a lifetime. Uh, has improved, though, in her last three starts. Third in the Bluegrass, second in the in, in the uh, International Stallion, and third in the Elimination, driven by uh, Chris Page, who we had on the show yesterday morning, owned by Burke Racing LLC, and we were Bruchemi of Pennsylvania. We're putting we're putting you in a romper, we're, and we're going to take a picture on Twitter. And we're going to put it out there, okay? Just I already got know. caught in a tiara today, okay? <laughs> Hurry up, get Seven through the mar- We're going to Eric Givner here is going to give us a few winners. Okay, good. Thank goodness there's somebody with some sanity that's going to, we're going to talk to. Seven is Marlo Han, over two-year-old filly by Captain Treacherous, owned by the Penske Stables, David Hess, Bridget Jablonski, Dexter Dundrives for trainer Nifty Norman, coming off of a couple of seconds. She was second in her elimination to Lions. Sentinel, certainly no shame in that. Certainly going to have to pick up her ball game, though. She's outside. It's going to be a strategy thing for driver Dexter Dunn. She's good odds right now, 43-1, to one, perhaps a long shot to consider. The eight reflect with me paid ten on August twenty fourth at this track Cam Nation and she's currently twenty for one, which is kind of absurd. Owned by Brittany Arms and Brad Grant, trained by Tony Alani, driven by McCarthy. Not the worst stab you could care. Nine is baby, you're the best. She's never missed the board. Third in her last two starts. Trained Linda Tuscana, Richard Young and Joanne Young of Florida and today by the Buckeye, Dave Miller. Oh, you're 10. Sorry about that. No, I got this. I got this. Should, it should have been a TD. Should have been a TD is number 10. How many times have we said that, Garnet, as uh, uh, football fans? Two-year-old Philly by Sweet Blue, owned by Burke Racing. Well, you know, you're, you, listen, your Buffalo Bills are doing really good, so I don't want to talk to you right now. Owned by Burke Racing, the Weaver Brusemi. Burke Racing, uh, Ron Burke trains, Matt Kikaley drives. I mean, obviously, she's going to have to pick up her ball game. She's a major long shot right now, 52-1, to 1, starting from Poten. Garnet, if you want to talk to uh, our good friend Derek from DRF, hopefully he can uh, share upon us some of his wisdom on the night. Yeah, we have uh, Derek Givner, DRF Harness Editor and uh, Maven here. See you through a harness racing uh, reference in there. Derek, i got to ask you, did you use Ramona Hill in your pick five? Yes or no, and why not, or why? I never expected her to gun out of there like she did, but I got the feeling after talking to the connections this race, 
maybe they kind of knew she was going pretty good today. I don't know. They didn't come right out and tell me, hey, you know, but uh, just kind of, I don't know. That's the impression I got. I know you hate it when I go into a, and I told you so kind of deal, but my thing before the race, he's got to leave somewhere. He's got to leave the top five, and she's got to be better than she was in that elimination. And part of the thing I put this advice there in the program was you got to look past these eliminations and look a little bit farther into the charts because we really know how much intent there was. So was I surprised she made the front in three strides and she's up by three lengths? Probably, but I did use her in the pick five because you know that you know she's going to go fifty cents a dollar to fifteen to one. Right? I think I was reeling from the early pick five where I was with the one and the five. The they were paying two grand each and. Uh, like, of course, when I have the favorite, they're going 53 to the half. Right. But uh, I was surprised her in the hill. Just more the fact that she went to the lead like she did. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I was on 9 a.m., but I'm talking to Brian Sears before the race. I, I didn't feel as confident as I did. And so, you know, I didn't step out that, that much. Take us to uh, how you see these uh, two Philly pacing final. It's, it's an interesting race here because you really – I don't know if she's at that maturity level yet. She only has five starts, and the others have a little bit more, uh, you know, function. I think you got right. I think um, the pace scenario is probably the way you put it. Priceless is probably going to blast to the lead. I don't know if Lane Sentinel is going to leave pocket because the one was kind of tough here. And, you know, Dietrich might be forced to make a middle move, and that could set it up for somebody like New Year or perhaps that corner, maybe one of these bombs or with me. Again, 19 to 1. We know she's not that bad. It's just the kind of the person people can where she's going to have to come from to win the race like, is why she's 19 to 1. One of the things I love, I love about New Year, other than the fact that I really think she's very talented, she's got obviously great pedigree, you know, drop on stage somewhere, that fact that I feel pretty confident she's probably going to be following the Lion Sentinel or Alcorn here. Uh, and to me, it's, could there be a better spot to be sitting than behind one of those, you know? Alicorn's not on the lead, let's say, and I don't expect to be. That means she's coming first over, and I got to come on behind. I mean, and she's a pretty sort of Absolutely. Um, what do you think of the rest of tonight or tomorrow's card? You got a horse you can give us that might be a bit of a price that you really like? Today is kind of tough. I, I personally think that the, the race with Real Sam, I'm completely against Real Coulson in this spot. I, I'm not saying that he's not going to win. He could win. He should win. But you have a horse this time. You have a horse with an outpost position yep. who typically hasn't run off the gate. Um, driver Dave Miller told me that he thinks, you know, he's confident the horse has speed if he needs it. But I didn't get the impression he's gunning to the front, here, which means that things are going to be reasonably right. And it's your price. I'm going against them. I'm taking a shot of Miguel Volo. He behaves this week. Um, I thought Chestnut raced very well. I don't know if he's fast. But I think Capricornus is, is a decent shot. So I think there's a number of horses in there you could take a chance with uh, from my point of view. And I, I'm on Tall Dark uh, Stranger, the uh, cold face. Okay, quickly before uh, Mike takes a call, what do you make of the way the track's playing tonight? We haven't had, we haven't had any horses turn for home with the lead that made it. We had a couple come out of the pocket, but weird on a warm night how it's not 
really playing the speed like it normally does. I don't know. I, I, when I walked across the track before, I thought it was a little different than I expected. I was looking at some of the hook prints, and there was a little more of a print than I was expecting. So maybe that's why. Maybe it's a Go ahead. I'd love for you to walk the track if we start start tomorrow night. See if we can see a difference. It's gonna rain like they tell me it's gonna rain. I won't be on the track. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Derek, for uh, stopping. Derek. Well, we're 20, 25 seconds away from post here for the seventh race. Uh, still favorited is the line sandal slight second choice is priceless. Then we have New Year five to one and Alley Corn the fourth choice is nine to one. All the way in the all the way on the outside we got Marlo Hanover who is second in her lap. I think she's um, very very uh, too too high uh, at forty four to one. I think she gave a nice effort uh, last week. The horse has been called the post, and uh, the gate is now rolling. All right, gate starts to roll. Ace, can you hear me, right? Yeah, we got you now. Okay, very good. They're getting ready to go to the post here. It is the Breeders' Crown Final. And a good field of 10 set to lock horns. And the current favorite right now at 1-1 to is number one, Lions Sentinel. And 2-1 to right now on number three, Priceless. They are getting set for a start 5-1 to right now on number four, New Year. And the rest of them are in double digits. It's post time for the Breeders' Crown Final. Two-year-old Philly Julio Philly Pace is going for a purse of $786,000. And here we go. They're off and pacing an off stride right at the start with number five, Lady Lou. So the five made a jump right at the word go. And from between rivals, Priceless moves out for the lead. New Year grabs that vacated pocket spot and fits in nicely. Lion Sentinels in good brushing range third, if that's what Dietrich decides to do. Alley Corn is fourth as they make the way towards the opening quarter. In fifth position, looks good in a romper, unlike Ace Barnsdale. Racing in sixth position, Marlo Hanover. And she's about seven and a half lengths off the lead as they continue. Continue on towards the opening quarter. Then it's reflect with me, but on top it's priceless. And the expected brushing attempt is coming from Lion Sentinel, but this pace is fast. 26 and four for the quarter, and priceless will release Lion Sentinel. At least we think as they continue on towards the half. And up on the outside, Lion Sentinel getting stung a bit here. Lion Sentinel takes the lead. Priceless does release ultimately second. New Year is third, buying two lengths. Sally Corn starts to tighten down a bit from fourth. Looks good in a romper. He's and now she moves to the outside. Shooting the gap up the inside is Marlo Hanover. And following suit up the inside is Baby, you're the best. A lot of room to advance up the inside now. As they go past the half and 53 and 3. Lion Sentinel has the lead by a length outside. New Year attacks second. Priceless is at the inside. Third as they come to the top of the stretch. Outside, Alley Corn's perfectly positioned for Wasp. Second over fourth. Inside, Marlo Hanover's no place to go. As they straighten away for the stretch drive, reflect with me. Fans out four wide. Now for McCarthy. 
Marcy. Out wide, it looks good in the rompers. They straighten away for the stretch drive. It's Lion Sentinel. She is set down for the drive. Up the inside, priceless for Bates. Outside, New Year is grinding. Try to split foes now. Marlo Hanover, and she is huge odds. And from the far outside, here's McCarthy and Reflect with Me. Down to the finish, Lion Sentinel leads the line. Does she get there? Here's Reflect with Me on the outside. Reflect with Me may have gotten there for McCarthy again in what is going to be a big Breeders' Crown night for him in 150 and three. And guys, reflect with me is going to sweep by for the win here at Big Odds. And Andy McCarthy, guys, is just having a big, big day. Yeah, and the next time you ask me outside of these horses who can win, I think I got to bet. I got to bet that horse because that's the one I said again, right? Now you're alive in the pick five, right, Garnet? No, I'm not. I singled the Lion Sentinel. I wish. Man, be live in this oh, pick that, five. That if is I, right. If that I is spread, right. I, honestly, I would have used her spread. Once again, reflect with me. Storms down the outside. This is going to be a dream breeder's ground for McCarthy, guys. Lion Sentinel's all out. How about Dexter Dunn trying to thread the needle at Big Odds with Marlo Hanover, the Nifty Norman trainee? She finished third. And, guys, once again, this is going to be a very, very nice payoff. Absolutely. It's, it's uh, like I said, it's, uh, you know, the thing that stuck out to me on this horse's card was that in a, in a grand circuit race on August 24th, Mike, she was five cents of the dollar at this track. And then yeah. remember this talk about the, blo- the bloom falling off the rose. That's right there. I mean, $50. It's crazy. What's out of order for tonight that she should $56. I'm telling you, like it's, uh, you can't, People just jump to the conclusion these horses are no good because they didn't win their elimination, and it couldn't be farther from the truth. Once again, the bloom falling off the rose. I love that. I, I so love that, Garnet. That just, you know what? That just opens up a, it puts a lump in my throat when you say that thing. But uh, nonetheless, how about reflect with me? And this is the same pattern, Garnet. This is the same pattern that Ramoni Hill had in race number six, as you mentioned. Favorite in the elimination, favorite back in the International Stallion, favorite back in the Great Lady Elimination, favorite back in the Champlain, and then she goes off at big odds, this time 27-1. to 1. Andy McCarthy's cleaning the house, guys. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we kind of figured, like I was talking, when I was talking to Derek before the race, we – uh, basically, just exactly how the early pace scenario was to go. Priceless is going to get the front. Lion Sentinel was going to have to make that brush. And uh, you know, when when they're going to hook up like that, you're not really going to get a slow half. So, identical 26 and four quarters. Um, you know, set it up. Timmy kind of slowed it down as much as he could, I think, in the third quarter, going 28 and three, and then they come 28 and two, and. Uh, you know, reflect with me, he's done no work, sitting on cover, loaded. And uh, that's why, you know, you, you got to take shots in these races, especially when it looks like uh, the early part of the race might be contentious. Yeah, no question about it. So congratulations to the connections of Reflect With Me there with the winner's circle. Once again, trainer Tony Alania with another victory. Reflect With Me coming out of the clouds. Garnet, we talked about speed. We talked about uh, how closes are just doing so well tonight at Woodbine Mohawk and uh, McCarthy put this horse in very good position, fanned out four wide, was able to sweep on pass to get the job done. Uh, and once again, are we dealing with a bias? I hate to use the word bias, Garnet. I really do hate to use the word bias because I think a lot of times 
and handicapping circles, it is overused. But are we seeing one tonight? Yeah, I think so, man. I think so. Um... I think uh, I think a lot of what Derek had to say about the track too is uh, probably true. Maybe it's just a little bit deeper because you see they they just spin their wheels a little bit very late in the mile, and that's what set it up. And uh, you know, you say uh, Andy McCarthy's having a big night, but what about Tony Alanya and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know one of the prominent owners in the game, Brad Grant. Bradley Grant. We talked about Bradley Grant, one of the good guys in the sport of harness racing. Um, you know what? Does a lot of donating. Does a lot of good things for charity and the sport of harness racing. Brittany Farms, of course, uh, winning owners along with Bradley Grant. And, of course, they bred this horse, Reflect With Me. And, and you know, this is a horse that is now won five of 11. And, uh, you know, she was really out of position last week. She had a work-like act to get to the final. She closed home 27-2. and two. I mean, if you look at the closing numbers, she obviously had good superior closing numbers to this group. And, you know what, I'm mean, handicapping forward, handicapping going forward now. The rest of the Breeders' Crown races, even the last overnights, which encompass the last three races of the program, maybe we can start the key in on these horses and guard it. Maybe this is a way we can make some money the rest of the night. I think so. I think, you know, looking for horses uh, that are going to be closing off the cover. I mean, uh, so far, like I said, it, it's very rare for speed to be stopping this badly. But I don't know if it's, you know, it's, it's a product. Is it a product, a product of going cutting a 53 half? I don't think uh, <laughs> any horse in the league in that race at 53 and 3, including Lion Sentinel, who uh, um, is probably the best filly in the race. And I'm going to tell you they're probably going to get beat. All right, we're going to take a timeout. Hopefully, uh, Ace Barnsdale, our man, is uh, going to track down the winning connections, uh, the same connections as last time. But real quick, before we uh, take a commercial break, let's take a look at the prices, 56.20 for Reflect With Me. Man, good prices here again, $179.80 exact to the Tri-817 for $0.20, cents, returns $249.90. That's just a huge, huge payoff. We're going to have the rest of the payoffs coming up. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USDA, back in just a moment. From the edge of your seat starts to the white-knuckle finishes. Horse racing is truly a ride unlike any other, one that the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association intends to preserve in the Keystone State for years and years to come. From our breeders to track operators to you, the fan. PHRA is here to bring everyone together for the benefit of the sport we love and the majestic athletes we adore. Learn more about the PHRA's mission at PennHorseRacing.com. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Shane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training service in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. 
Whitback Farm yearlings are born to compete and raised to win. The 2019 lineup features siblings of rich performers and first foals from productive families. In 2019, Whitback Farm is selling yearlings at Goshen on September 8th, the Ohio Selected Sale on September 13th, On Gate September 18th through the 21st, Lexington October 1st through the 5th, London October 19th and 20th, Harrisburg November 4th through the 6th, and the Harrisburg Mix Sale on November 7th and 8th. For more information, visit winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. The Jason Beam Horse Racing Podcast, brought to you by Twinspire, is your home for daily thoroughbred horse racing conversation. Join host Jason Beam as he discusses racing from around the country, interviews jockeys, trainers, media personalities, and horse players every Monday through Friday. The show can be found at Twinspires.com or on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. The Jason Beam Horse Racing Podcast, brought to you by Twinspire. Back on both sides of Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USDA. Mike Bozich, along with Garnet Barnsdale, Ace Barnsdale, joining us live on site from Woodbine, Milwaukee. We just witnessed another upset. Reflect with me, sweeps on by for the win to take the uh, two year old Philly Breeders' Crown final from Woodbine, Mohawk. And uh, once again, Garnet, we have to give a lot of credit to Andy McCarthy. He's won the first two Breeders' Crown races of the night, both in upset fashion and both from outside posts. Number 10 with Ramona Hill in race 6. And here, Garnet, with Reflect With Me from post position number 8. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm a little upset that I didn't open my account and put a few bucks in this field. I mean, it's unbelievable. She's already $1.20. Uh, she was seven to one in the great. She's a great final. Before that, she was fifty-five cents on the dollar, twenty-five cents on the dollar, five cents on the dollar. Like I said, at the you know all summer long, she was considered one of the best fillies. So, what what changed that she got beaten beaten elimination in a race no flow where prices was never headed? We knew that wasn't going to happen again. I wrote it right in my analysis. There's no chance prices going to be allowed to stroll around the racetrack. So. It's logical that it could set up for somebody, but uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have this, enough smarts to go throw five or ten bucks on her, though. Once again, the prices: the twenty cent super again, Garnet. These twenty cent supers are just paying outstanding. One thousand two hundred eight dollars and fifty cents. Of course, she got the over fifty dollars on the win end. And uh, once again, we talked about Andy McCarthy cleaning up, but how about? The owner, Bradley Grant, and trainer Tony Alonzo, they have won the first two uh, Breeders' Crown events, one with Ramona Hill in race number six and one in race seven with Reflect With Me. And uh, once again, I mean, we talk about this bias that could perhaps exist. Once again, I think that is one of the most overused terms in the sport of not only harness racing but thoroughbred racing when you talk about handicapping. But tonight, I think it would just be inept for you as a handicapper to not say that there is obviously something going on with speed giving way late in the mile. Yeah, and it's not a, a trend you typically see on this track. And I, one other thing that I just noticed uh, watching this replay is that 
Reflect with me made a wide move fairly early on the turn to sort of get, I guess, uh, McCarthy kind of revving up her engine. And that's a move that almost never works on this track either, which is another indication that, um, you know, uh, it's it, this track is favoring closers tonight. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out here because in this upcoming two-year-old uh, Colton Gelding trot, you have to think that at some point uh, Miller's going to put real cool Sam on the front at some point of this mile. And, you know, starting from the nine post, he might get stretched out a bit. This could set up for another bomb. I'm going to start looking for one. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to talk about. Like, where do we go next coming up in race number eight? You've got the you've got the two-year-old Colton Gelding trot. I mean, obviously, if you're a favorite on the outside, you have to be put into play early. Real cool Sam is undefeated. And, uh, I mean, Dave Miller obviously cannot drop back tonight. So he has to either leave for a spot or he has to, uh, you know, try to get the point at some point in time to control his own destiny, and that has not worked for horses here so far today. So maybe you look for a horse to come from behind. Um, what about a horse like Rome Pays Off, who absolutely has no speed but has shown lukewarm closing ability? Maybe if he is in position for the Milander connection, maybe this is a horse that, uh, you know, could come across at some good odds. And right now he is 38-1, to one, got it. And, and I, you know, I just kept one that I like. I kind of like my analysis. I think I picked him for first, but um, it's like it's like we got Tony Alani coming over. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we All don't right. uh, break his streak here by having him talk to a bunch of jinxes or something. But. All right. Well, well, listen. If there you we go. Get, if you well, get Tony well, to the no, table, yep. Yeah. Okay. So let's say Ace Carnes Tale with uh, Tony Alani. Oh well, you're. Uh, apparently, I'm not coming over. We talked to Tony yesterday morning. Now he's one two two. I think we're actually good luck. That, that could be. So uh, let's make sure and talk tomorrow morning for the uh, races tomorrow night. <laughs> well, it wasn't the best day. Sorry, what was the best week last week? But now you're perfect for one percent this year. What? Uh, How did you turn things around? Well, you know, like even like this to reflect with me. She was second just two to come last week, and she had more uh, fractions too. Which when the Came out and the Philly Indiana being in there and line line says she's going to have plenty of pace to chase tonight. And, uh, you know, she did exactly what she did last week. She just had better fractions to come into. So we're, you know, we're very, very excited, of course. And now let me talk about that last winner for a second. She was amazing earlier in the year. She was uh, probably in Ontario. And uh, then she got a little dry spell. How did you get her back? Well, like she was up here in the in the she's a great lady final. She was actually locked in till late, and she got she was a good pace. She was up on the winner uh, in 49 inch change. In a week to week, we took her to or excuse me, took her down to Lexington. And when we took her to Lexington, uh, he moved her to the front, and uh, you know we both said that day, you know she's a much better horse if she can chase fractions rather than move her to the front because she's just behind. She's not big, and she can't carry it the whole way. She pulls other fillies into the race, so. We changed tacks up here, and she she got the win. Certainly looks like it works out. Looks like uh, my dad on Barnes wants to get in here. Yeah, the, I actually saw the pace scenario exactly the way you did before. So I said, "There's no way you're going to let it just so leave on her." She's probably going to be able to leave that on the rail because she's going to be middle. So the amazing thing to me, looking at your past performance, and I wasn't smart enough to bet it. I just tell people she five cents to the third of a race here in, in a good circuit, the internal camnation. So it's amazing how fast the bloom fall off the rose with hitters. I gotta, you know, you gotta understand the finals are a little bit different than eliminations, and like you say, they get raced differently. So uh, 
Anyways, uh, good luck going forward. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. So we got two Colts left, Captain Midnight, and put to right Drew the 10 hole. So, uh, you know, we'll see what we can get done with those Colts. But, uh, you know, so far uh, it's been a phenomenal night. Uh, so just so try to finish it up. Thanks, Tony. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. All right, thank you very much. That was trainer Tony Alania, who is just having a field day here so far in the Breeders' Crown. And, uh, Ace, I, I'm, I'm very impressed that you did not ask him about his strategy coming up in the next couple of events. Oh, oh Mike's getting back at me for the for the early day now. Don't worry. Uh, I'm sure I'll find a poor driver to ask that question. Let's for a second, Mike. I, the highest I want to talk about is um, the number – Seven. I got to change back to the page to remember what his name is here. If you, I don't Bird know if you saw the source of limited shift. He made a big. Uh, he made a big, looming, threatening. Turn wider and then he slipped out of the pocket, and uh, that's how he got beat. But I thought that was a pretty. It was a pretty impressive, quick speed on that last turn. So, uh, you know, seventeen to one. I think I'm going to take a shot here with him as a closer and uh, see if I. Uh, I think a $5 bet probably even for the night. I'm not uh, getting killed too badly, but I think I'm going to go to third shift here as a closer with a shot. Okay, we've got exactly 20 cent try. Of course, start of a 20 cent pick three, field of 10. We'll do battle. And, Garnet, let me ask you a question. As a handicapper and a multi-race wager player, I know you like to play a lot of pick fives and a lot of pick fours. Where do you use the pick three from a strategy point of view to kind of offset maybe these pick fours and pick fives? Do you use the pick three as a little bit of a backup at all? I'm not I'm one that wants to, likes to get kills. I don't, I'm not a hedger or a backup guy, but uh, I like to pick threes if I like a horse that's in the first leg that I think is a good single that's five to one or better because that knocks for the ticks on for 400 bucks, and it was like six to one on three to one. Five paid 400 dollars, and I had it for bucks. So I don't. I'm not really a backup player. I, I like to try and win with every bet I make. To be honest with you, so uh, if I'm playing pick threes, it's not so much as a backup as to just try to catch a ticket. And if I see some kind of value somewhere, um, I might start one with third shift here at 18 to one. All right, we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll do the post parade for race number eight. It is the Breeders' Crown Final for three-year-old Colt and Delving Trotters. We've got post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USDA. We'll be back in just a moment. Hey, racing fans, we all know the ride begins well before the starting gate. Stay warmed up around the clock at PennHorseRacing.com, your home for all things harness and thoroughbred racing. PennHorseRacing.com gives you the inside track on betting, industry events, breeding, news, and more. You know, everything that'll give you an edge come post time. Visit PennHorseRacing.com today. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Whitback Farm yearlings are born to compete and raised to win. The 2019 lineup features siblings of rich performers and first foals from productive families. In 2019, Whitback Farm is selling yearlings at Goshen on September 8th, the Ohio Selected Sale on September 13th, on Gate September 18th through the 21st, Lexington October 1st through the 5th, London October 19th and 20th, Harrisburg November 4th through the 6th, and the Harrisburg Mix Sale on November 17th. 
health and aids. For more information, visit winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Shane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training service in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. We're back on both time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USDA. Mike says it's along with Garnet Farnsdale, East Farnsdale, live on site. At Woodbine, Mohawk, we're set for the post parade for race number eight. It is our third Breeders' Crown event of the night. The old Colton Gelding Trotters in action, a field of ten. And we'll keep the same formula, guys. I'll start with one. Garney, you can go with two. And Ace, you can go with three. We'll start with B, who is a 47-1 ultra long shot right now. By Rene Spar, uh, trained by John Max, Paul Max, and Mel. Uh, of uh, Sunday Summer fame is in the driver's seat. Good effort from Post 8 last time. I saw it was hard. He just blasted off the wings, obviously tired, still had enough to make the final, and then once again is a big long shot. We'll certainly have to pick up his ball game. Got it? Two, three, one at elimination last week at 17 1. It's currently 16 to 1. Nothing much respect. Um, he's won four of nine, 162,000. Brittany Farms. Fielding Liverman, trained by Perry Lum. Yannick Jingra back in the bike. Uh, you could do worse. Land on him at 16 to 1, I think. Three is Moonbridge. That's for final winner. He starts back. Today, she's driven by, he's driven by Silvan Fillion, trained by Aki Swanstead. For Eslatinen, Yana Corpi, and you see Hatali. Uh, finished fifth in the OM, just snuck in. Closed the big last quarter to make it into the final. Uh, was close in the way, and a gold winner from a go. Two for seven, lifetime, three, moon bridge. Number four is Amigo Volo, two-year-old building by Father Patrick, owned by the Pinsky Stables, uh, David Miller, and uh, Kentuckiana Farms. Misty Norman is the trainer. It's David J. Miller, by the way. Dexter Dunn is the driver. The source had a three-race win streak snapped in his formation loss last time. Did make a break, had to recover, had to make up some ground. You have to wonder if a clearer trip can get four Amigo Volo into the winner's circle. And right now, he is getting plenty of waking attention right now at 3-1. The Chess Hills is another bit of a winning horse currently at 7-1 to one up a two-down after us breaking and being to the quarter. was only beaten a length and a half last week. Gets a driver chain, Dave Miller to Brian Sears. Chestnut Hill has won two of eight, 76,000. we got uh, Melvin Irvin and David McDuffie and Little ELC owns 50 Norman, the trainer. Brian Sears in the bike for Chess Hill to be 7-1. to one. This Rome, Rome pays off. Race for SRF Stable and Trent Marcus Melander, driven today by Matthias Melander. Third by half a length, the LM was closing up big. The last quarter of 20 there. One Pennsylvania, Cyrus State's Constellation, and other events. Three for 10 lifetime has only missed the board twice. $100,000 Rome pays off. 
On the 73rd shift, three-year-old Colt Bind Chapter 7 is owned by Melby Guard Incorporated, Elke Swampstad, who uh, trains and drives a win in the New York Fire State Final a couple of starts back. Uh, Garnett was impressed with this move last time, made a nice move into uh, the back half last time, Did, could not hold off Synergy, who uh, kind of tripped out towards the end of upset it at 17-1 to 1 right now. 18-1 to 1 seems to be a very good price. I'm the uh, two-year-old Colt by Chapter 7, number 7, third shift. Eight, Copernicus, trick for Marcus Melander, owners, J.J. Racing Stable. Copernicus currently 9-1. to one. Some good value here. Um, he's never only missed the board once in eight starts. Shows good tactical speed. Can pretty much anywhere. I think of some good value. Of seven to two on the morning line. Nine to one on the board. Number nine is big favorite. Um, driven today by the Buckeye Dave Miller for Jim Campbell and Fashion Farms LLC. Undefeated nine for nine, earning four hundred fifty-four thousand five hundred seventy-five dollars. And for Hutton Champion, number nine, real cool Sam. They can remain undefeated right now, one to one on the board. Number ten is Port Perry. It's uh, a ten to one horse, getting some attention for owner determination of a Montreal, Quebec, Canada, trained by Luke Blay and driven by uh, uh, Bob McClure. This horse raced very well, set the tempo last time, got the second quarter of any wanted, but could not hold off Moonford. That was in an Ontario Science Fix event, but uh, does have some near misses. And once again, Garnett. As we've talked about, trainer Luke Blay doesn't have a very big stable, but every horse he puts on the racetrack is a horse that a gambler should consider. Absolutely. The owner of Termination, I don't know if there's anybody in Canada that spends more money than them. Maybe Brad Grant. Uh, that's why it's nice to see Brad win a couple of races already tonight. Uh, he's a great ambassador, like you said, for the sport. I'm going a little off topic here, but... Uh, Port Perry from the 10 hole is the one I, I particularly like. He's getting a little bit of action at 12 to one. Bob McClure's been a little bit quiet tonight. You never know. Once again, you got a good full field of 10 here for this Breeders' Crown Final. Two-year-old Colt and Gelding Trotters. And uh, real cool Sam is the horse that I think everybody's talking about. Obviously, he's undefeated 9 for 9. For trainer Jim Campbell, driver Dave Miller. Um, this horse has been the favorite pretty much throughout his career, and he has not disappointed. Um, what do you think here, guys? Close position number nine could be a tough conundrum right here for driver Dave Miller, especially considering that speed has not held. I mean, obviously, he's not going to come from ninth. He's not going to sit back. He has to move early, which I am going to think, uh, from a strategy point of view, is going to be basically a slide into third or fourth and a brushing attempt. Am I correct? Yeah, the other thing is, uh, Mike, he doesn't show any real fast first quarters. I mean, the, the only time he was in the front that I can see on his car was the metal, sorry, the Pocono when it was a 29th in opening quarter. So, um, you know, he, is he going to leave in the middle of the pack and, and, and then have to brush? I don't know. And, you know, leading straight for home coming off, uh, you know, this is third race in, I think, 63 days. Is he going to be fit enough to hold up the Chargers on this track? There's their chips. Pretty good, eh, Nick? Yeah, it looks all business on the track. Great foot gates and uh, just ears back, paying attention, and uh, just looks ready to get to work. So what's your final say on this race, Ace? Uh, who would you go to with your money? Or it looks like you are putting some wagers in right now there. That's right. Uh, I only have a dollar left. I haven't been doing so well today. Um 
I like Amigo Bo. I've liked him since uh, since last week. He he broke last week, unfortunately, but uh, he was the favorite in that game, and uh, he was doing superbly before that. One by seven lengths in the blue dress, and uh, two and a quarter lengths in the international style. Nifty Norman, the one who didn't have a great time uh, on the two elite days, but I think uh, now is a chance to return. I think the horse. Uh, well, do better for him. I'll lend you, uh, I'll lend you two dollars if you give me back three tomorrow. <laughs> let's Thanks. take a look at anyways. <laughs> let's let's take a look at a couple of the long shots here. Five Chestnut Hill, seven to one. Eight Capricorn is seven to one. Chestnut Hill, this horse that made a break. Uh, you know, actually repeated breaks right at the start, right at the quarter. Was able to rebound and come closing very, very well. But this is a horse that still has not really hit the winner's circle, though. I mean, it's second in the kindergarten, was third in the Pennsylvania Sire Stakes Championship, the real cool Sam. I mean, he seems like a reasonable option, but in all reality, is he a step behind these? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if we can really see, you know, how good he was last week twice and you know, keep urging. There's a lot of people that like this Colt, and uh, you know, if he's sitting on cover for second or third over, he could be there. Uh, I don't let you know. Derek Gibner, you know, said he was against a real cool salmon this race, and I can see why want to take six to five. Um, you know, at a certain point, they all get beat. There's not too many standard breads that retire undefeated, so maybe this is the time for him. Uh, I'm bad against him. I, I'm on third shift at 22 to one. Why not? All right, once again, 22 to 1 on third shift. That is Garnet's pick. Uh, one more horse we're going to talk about before the start of this race is Capricornus. I mean, this horse that obviously I think is going to be blasting uh, left four pocket position last time. Was able to get that, made a bid, and then just could not hold off Big Oil. That was the International Stallion at Lexington. Was a second place finisher in the William Well. What a guys that you race. Uh, the guys that you guys, a race that you guys had a chance to see won that William Wellwood elimination. And, uh, you know, once again, trainer Marcus Meenlander, obviously we've talked about him. He's, he's probably, when it's all said and done, going to be one of the best trotting trainers of all time. As, uh, you know, a lot of people have compared him to the likes of Jimmy Pactor and so forth. Um, once again, this is a horse I think that's worth considering at 7-1. Yeah, um, Melander is, is it's possible to already be a star and also be up and coming because I think that suits him very well. He's he's a young he's a young guy, but he's already had so many great horses. And yeah, I think it it might be a little early to say that, Mike, but I think you might be on the right track when you say he could be one of the best of all. Time. No question about it. The field of 10, countdown clocks activated 40 seconds. Uh, Garnet Bonsdale is going number seven, third shift, 22 to one. Um, Ace, who's your, once again, who's your pick here? I may have missed it. I'm on Amigolo with uh, with who, who I like to call Twin Dexter. <laughs> Twin Dexter. Dexter Dunn, of course, is another horse that, but he's got X lines in his last couple of starts. So, once again, it's going to be down to who minds their racing manners here. I think that's going to be a big thing as we approach race number eight here at Woodbine Mohawk. So we're less than eight seconds left on the clock. The horses are nearing the gate. It is the Breeders' Crown final. Two-year-old Colt and Gelding Trotters in action going for a good purse, $786,000. They start 10 across on the 7 for Long Oval, and they are inching their way towards the 
starting vehicle. Let's take a final look at the odds here. One to one on number nine, the undefeated Real Cool Sam. Five to two on four, Amigo Volo. Six to one on five, Rome pays off. Seven to one on the Marine Capricornus. And the rest are in double digits. It's post time for the Breeders' Crown Final for the two year old Colt and Gelding Trotters. Rounding this expansive far turn of the 7 for one Noble here at Woodbine Mohawk. It's post time again. Two-year-old Colton Gelding Trotters. All set. All 10 on the gate. All 10 minding their racing manners. To this point. The Breeders' Crown from Woodbine Mohawk. They are off and trotting. All off to a good start from the inside beads from in between rivals. There goes Dexter Dunn and Amigo Volo. Outside levers include third shift, Capricornus. And from the far outside, building up on the outside, here comes uh, McClure and Fort Perry. They race around the first turn and making the lead. It's Chestnut Hill as they make their way around the turn. Excuse me, Amigo Volo. So it's Amigo Volo and Dexter Dunn who opens up the lead by three lengths as they continue on to the opening quarter. Third shift, got a good spot second. Capricornus now drops down third in front of Synergy. They continue to press towards the opening quarter. Rome pays off. Got a good seat fifth. Then it's Fort Perry. Port Perry coming away in sixth from that outside post. They got the quarter in 26 and four. On the move already is Real Cool Sam. He is already looking for cover. Moving up into seventh. Towards the inside. Beads is eighth by a length and a half. Moonbridge is sent to the outside. But will follow Beads who has caught the cover of Real Cool Sam who is still about eight lengths off the lead while uncovered and trailing the field last of all is Chestnut Hill. They got the half in 55 and 3. Dexter Dunn with a long peek over the right shoulder. He's trying to win this thing now. With Amigo Folo is up by three and a half. Third shift is second and sitting a loose pocket. In third position, Capricorn is top of the stretch. Dexter Dunn with Amigo Folo has unleashed him. He is up by five lengths past three quarters at 124. They straighten away for the stretch drive. And it's Amigo Folo on top by about four lengths. In second, third shift, trying to reel in this leader. In third position along the inside, Capricornus. On the outside, Synergy is unleashed now. Real Cool Sam really needs to pick up his ball game. He's six lengths off the lead. But I do believe Dexter Dunn raced away and hid. Amigo Volo is well clear. Amigo Volo wins by daylight. Finishing second, Rome pays off. It was Amigo Volo in a final time of one 54 and 3. And can you believe that? Guys, Dexter Dunn, in my opinion, just put on a driving clinic right there. Well, let's call him 7 win Dexter now. Um, yeah, man, that, that was a great drive. He, he knew the horse. Somehow, the fact the speed is not been up, he's got that horse to win by mid-length in the lead. He's, he's been super of the past two weeks. I want to know what's in the water. That's certainly to beat the bias. Uh, we're never really in doubt after that, Mike. Uh, my horse is in a perfect spot. I actually loved where my horse was sitting because there's been horses come out of the pocket. Wins, but, uh, there was no touch in Dexter here. And uh, real cool stand. No disgrace. He finished, he finished fifth. But uh, he was going to get ripped when he started. And I think that was... Uh, Part of the reason why we're somewhat against the fact, you know, where is he going to be sitting and get the trip? And this amigo 
Buffalo, man. He showed pretty good luck. He's not that much of a piece. Number six, Rome pays off, was uh, finishing second. Number five, Chestnut Hill was absolutely flying in the late stages, finished third. Once again, we're in for a good payoff, guys. It's real cool. Sam does not hit the board. Four, six, five in race number eight, Amigo Volo. This was uh, this race just turned out very interesting. I mean, Dexter Dunn went to the front. Nobody came after him. And Garnet, I, I I just seem to think that Dexter Dunn decided let's just go. I mean, let's just press on the gas pedal and let's just see if they can catch us. And nobody had any answers. Yeah, let's roll twenty six and four, twenty eight and four, twenty and two, and then come home and three and three. But the race, I mean, is an old drive we don't see enough of anymore, in my opinion. And uh, you know what? He just, yeah, he just put it to them, and uh, I think, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see what he says in the post here. But I think his strategy was to just try and put as much on a real cool Sam as he could, knowing he was starting from a bad spot and uh, may not get a, that great of a trip. Garnet, that was an old school drive. Absolutely, it was the old school down the road, bottom of the field. What do you want to call it? There's Ace, man. He's, uh, he's right there on the screen. Okay, well, yeah, we see Ace right there. He's Yeah, he's, he's got the red coat. He's media. And uh, I'll tell you what, that was an old school drive by Dexter Dunn. You don't see drives like that anymore. I mean, uh, you know, he just basically saw that he can take off. He realized that he can take off from the field, and he did. So congratulations to the Connections. Of uh, Dexter Dunn. You know why? Let me tell you what, Garnet. Listen, let me tell you something about your son. You know why he's up there? I haven't seen him up there all night, but you know what? He's up there because he picked this horse on top, isn't he? That's right. He's going to tell him that he's seven <laughs> done. Now. It was it was almost like when I saw you uh, when Jimmy Freight hit the winner's circle, and we tried to turn it to you and Garnet for for. Uh, we tried to turn it to you for comment, and you were nowhere to be found. You were nowhere near the broadcast location because you sprinted to the winner's circle when Jimmy Frey won the Mohawk Gold Cup. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you, you sprinted nice to the winner's circle. Charters. I'm <laughs> See the nice long charters where my Oh, that was good. Anyways, in the winner's circle, Dexter Dunn. Yeah, Tom Charters is saying the winner's circle, and uh, he's making the presentation. Always good to see Tom Charters, of course, recently retired. And uh, we got a slew of media in the winner's circle. Tons. You can't say that he's not getting any coverage here, that's for sure. Wonder if, are they making are they making Derek Givner wear one of those orange suits, by the way? They are making wear one of the orange suits. Okay. I'll Listen, um, every time they go into that winter circle, I'm sure it's going to wear soon for at some point, but I'm so impressed by how nice that looks. I, mean, I came here about three weeks ago, and it was starting the infancy stages, and there were some planks of wood sticking out of the ground, and that's all very good. But the finished product, the Wind Farms winter circle, looks fantastic in touch. They've done a nice job. The $74, by the way, of live money in that $100,000 guaranteed pick five as we come up uh, on Lake Ford. The winner, Amigo Bolo, 7-10 to win. 
Five ten to play, three sixty to show. Rome pays off. We talked about this horse uh, right before the start. Twenty two forty ten sixty. Chestnut Hill at four fifty. Real cool Sam it does not hit the board. Exactly one hundred twenty two dollars and thirty cents. Twenty cent try at fifty fifty four. The twenty cent super returns one hundred ninety seven dollars and seven cents. Twenty cent tick three. $358 plus Garnet. That is a good payoff for the 20-cent tick three. I don't care what the odds look like. Whenever you can get a, a $358 payoff on a 20-cent tick three, that is a good, good payoff. On, on 20 cents, anything. For sure. Uh, just, uh, yeah, I uh, had an Amigo Volo in my pick three, but uh, the race before I got knocked out, so it didn't matter. All right. <laughs> Let's take hopefully that uh, Garnett or hopefully Ace can get winner circle reaction with uh, Dexter Dunn or maybe Nifty Norman on the winner of four Amigos Lola. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to focus on race number nine. It is our final Breeders' Crown event of the ninth year old Colt and Gelding Pacers, a field of ten. Set to square off. We've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the USDA broadcasting live from Woodbine Mohawk. Good stuff. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer or driver? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun in wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers. From the edge of your seat starts to the white knuckle finishes. Horse racing is truly a ride unlike any other. One that the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association intends to preserve in the Keystone State for years and years to come. From our breeders to track operators to you, the fan. PHRA is here to bring everyone together for the benefit of the sport we love and the majestic athletes we adore. Learn more about the PHRA's mission at PennHorseRacing.com. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Shane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training service in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. 
Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Whitback Farm yearlings are born to compete and raised to win. The 2019 lineup features siblings of rich performers and first foals from productive families. In 2019, Whitback Farm is selling yearlings at Goshen on September 8th, the Ohio Selected Sale on September 13th, On Gate September 18th through the 21st, Lexington October 1st through the 5th, London October 19th and 20th, Harrisburg November 4th through the 6th, and the Harrisburg Mix Sale on November 7th and eighth. For more information, visit winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. Back on both sides, Mike and Mike, presented by Ben America and the United States Rounding Association, Mike Bozich, back in the USDA studios, are broadcasting live from the Breeders' Crown from Woodbine, Mohawk, and we're joined by our on-site team of Garnet Barnsdale and Ace Barnsdale. We saw real cool Sam suffer his first defeat in the two-year-old Colton Gelding final of the Breeders' Crown Trot, and the win goes to Amigo Volo, driver Dexter Dunn, who uh, obviously has uh, eliminated his, uh, or the horses, uh, breaking tendencies over his last couple of starts, and was able to repeat defeat from the Bluegrass to get the job done, winning his fifth uh, of the year and fifth of his career, and uh, once again, Garnet, we talked about it. This was kind of like an old school drive. I mean, Dexter Dunn kind of looked behind him. We saw right after the half his long peak over the right shoulder, and he saw that nobody was coming. So he just decided to press the gas pedal. Yeah, and one thing I didn't mention because I wasn't really sure what it meant was this horse uh, actually looked pretty keyed up in the post parade and, and the score down before the race. I didn't know if he was a little bit excited or what it was, but yeah, I'm going to be able to watch done, uh, you know, from here on in a little bit more closer to see if maybe that strategy to get them keyed up before they to leave. And, uh, you know, watching the replay with him going around the last turn, it would have. Uh, you know, I mean, he went three and didn't get caught, so it would have taken a it would have had to taken a co- complete collapse for him to get beat. You know, once again, we talk about a lot of different handicapping strategies. I mean, obviously, Garnet and uh, we've done it before. We take a a long look on paper. Lots of times, uh, you know, we handicap for Ontario racing like two or three days beforehand, and basically that's all on paper. But you know, we take a look. Uh, we we look at a day like today where you're actually on track and you handicap the card beforehand, but you do take a look at the horses on the racetrack, whether they're scoring down, whether they're warming up. How much stock on it as a handicapper are we put into the post parades of how a horse looks and even the warm-ups, like three or four races before, of how they look at that particular point? How much do we put as a handicapper? How much emphasis do we put on that? Honestly, probably not enough. 
Um, I think Nick's got Nifty Norman here. Like Nick's here. All right, get away. Winning trainer. Well, standing with me in the paddock after after a win, we have trainer Nifty Norman. Um, first of all, congratulations, and second of all, uh, Data missed you last week, and she's a winner now. Did you make any corrections or changes that might have led to this? Well, at least um, kept him out of tricks way. <laughs> he put him under. He's a funny little horse. He has a lot on his mind, but um, tonight, you know, he came on the front. It was a little bit different story. Great, great, and um, we're glad to get the win. The third one must be pretty exciting for you, considering it wasn't the best of weeks for you last week. No, that's right. But I mean, and I was thrilled with the other horse. It was actually great for him to be third. From he was last turn of a home, so. For everybody involved, and both horses race terrific. I'm sure you've been asked this a lot, but the name Nifty. Uh, I was back away when I was a teenager, and it, it was a sarcastic time. I got it too, by the way. Yeah. Well, now it's definitely not sarcastic. Congratulations. Congratulations. All right. There you go. That was a great interview by Ace Barnsdale and uh, Ace Barnsdale, of course, is in Nifty Norman. And uh, a great, great, great uh, win for uh, trainer Nifty Norman with number four, Amigo Volo. Round to race number nine, it is the three-year-old Colt and Gelding Paints, the Breeders' Round Final. Uh, a start of another pick four, by the way, guys, and we will not be on the air for the rest of the pick four, but uh, I know Garnet's got a ticket. Garnet, I know you have a ticket. Uh, you know I do, and I go find it. And it's probably going to cost me some more money because I'm not having a very good night here. But I'm going to, uh, if you guys can stretch a little bit, I'm going to find it. Well, we're, uh, we're waiting for him. Well, where do you have to find it at? Where, 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 where have you hit it? I got it on, D- it's on drfharness.com. I got I to press okay. on the link to find it. Okay. Just, okay. You did have okay. your yep. of the night there. Uh, before the race, you signaled that. Now he's seven wins extra. He's red hot. And I'd be taking note if I were you. I just want to point out if you took my offer for the $2 bet for three bucks, two three bucks, you'd be you'd still be ahead, right? Well, I bet my last dollar in exact right four on top and nine. And unfortunately, uh, that kind of a favorite didn't actually uh, get four. I do have it. Um, I don't. I don't have anything very interesting in the opening leg. I have the three favorites: four to five shot, Poppy Rob Hanover, Captain Midnight, the five, and Tall Dark Stranger, three, five, seven. Race ten, I went to a single Lions Pegasus, who's just been a fire recently. Uh, I wouldn't like him as much with his racing style because he's up front most of the time. For the fact that we just saw a horse win on the front end, so in that leg there, and then of course my phone locked out because. The government doesn't want anybody to see uh, the information on my phone. In the third, I'm six, seven, eight. Blackjack Pat is uh, interesting to me. Dropping in class. Last time she raced in this, she was an easy winner on August 29th. Sly Eleanor is a very classy mare. Had one start back. She's she's beaten better than these, so I think she's got a good shot at this festival. And the Anderson Steelster won on the front end. Caught eight. So I got six, seven, and eight in race 11 and in race 12. If I can get through the advertising in the program, which is always uh, three one SOS baby drops back in class. Action. Two starts back, maybe moved a little bit too high last time. 
before Unviable, who won a big mile on the front end, uh, actually disqualified from second for cutting off a couple of pilots last time. And seven, Judy, Precious Beauty's daughter, she actually, I do believe, a sister to sports writer. Did very good last uh, year after making half a million last year, but last time uh, she got her like it looks like this. Three five seven with nine six seven eight with one four seven dollar. That's a, a very economical twenty seven dollars or like forty if you want to for twenty cents. I think Mike Well, you know, I mean let's uh let me ask you this guys. Uh you know, to regulars like us, um, you know, sometimes uh, you know, when we have these big events, the live program can be quite annoying. What's that? The live program can be quite annoying because, I mean, you have to, like, a lot of times you have to cycle through. I mean, because they have the stats and the stat, you know, the statistics and all that kind of right, stuff right. and all the fluff pieces, like, you know, and, and, and we regulars, you know, we just want to get on to the next race. I mean, we want to get on and the next race and so forth. So, but we're, uh, right. you know, but, right. but it's good. I'm not, I'm not, believe me, I'm not knocking, but I'm just saying that, you know, sometimes, it could, you know, for us regulars, it's be, uh, you know, a little bit annoying. But nonetheless, yeah, regulars, regulars is a good way to put it. Especially regulars. <laughs> what, what other words do you have for regulars, Garnet? Let's hear it. Come on. When the sprint home, degenerates. Oh, right. race number nine is coming up. We are six minutes away. <laughs> win, the, win the sprint home. Do you still have that video going at win the sprint home? Please do yeah. not put that on Facebook or Twitter. Please. Please do we not watched put it that last on Facebook. Well, Tuck, we watched it last night. Just make sure to keep up with the black payments, okay, Mike? Oh, my goodness. Race number nine is coming up. It does start to pick four. And uh, overnight events following this is our last Breeders' Crown event of the night, three to five on number three, Poppy Rob Hannibal. We talked about him. He has just looked so good over his last couple of starts. I had a chance to see him back here on the eighth in the Pennsylvania Sire Stakes Championship at Harris Fillin. He was outstanding. And I think he's been outstanding throughout. Dave Miller, big money driver, driving for trainer Brett Pelling. And uh, I think this horse has a chance to really be something special you know, three to five on the board. I mean, obviously not crazy about the price, but I am crazy about the horse. And, Garden, I am crazy about the athleticism that this horse, this horse shows. Yeah, I think I do think he's getting over a little bit, though, but he was dying last week. Put front end. Total Dark Stranger couldn't do much to count him. But one thing I noticed in the era of Harness was that was uh, Tall Dark Strange's slowest final quarter that we see at 28. So, the question is, was he cranked up race? Um, we know he goes faster than the last show before. And, um, you know, so to me, that's a little bit interesting. And, um, you know, a 3 to 1, probably more to him, considering they seem to be fairly equal. All right, coming on to the racetrack for the post parade. We'll keep the same. Uh, we'll keep the same format, guys. I do the one, Garnet. You can do the two, and and Ace can do the three. Let's start with yep. a long shot, Mayhem Hanover, three-year-old colt by Sports Writer, owned by Scott and Clay 
Horner, trained by Greg, Mahor, uh, Greg McNair. Uh, Doug McNair is the driver. Fourth place finish in his elimination. Uh, one, the uh, Paris Fire Stakes event. A couple of starts back is four of ten. Draws the inside. Uh, obviously had success against Lesser. Will have to be better against this Grand Circuit group. Two alleyway handled by alleyway stable Trent Pullman. Dietrich tonight. Um, you know, Ali Wag Hanover has been improving his last couple of starts. He's leading 24 to 1. I think it's a people should consider the exotic wagers of attractors and, and superfectus. Pop here up Hanover. It's anything but a long shot. She's He's 3 to 5 uh, on the board right now. It's number 3 for David McDuff, trained by Brett Pelling and driven today by Dave Miller. Uh, points from 9 to 4 are in the last. Stakes included the Olympic last week in impressive fashion. The kindergarten uh, at the medal, and uh, of course, he was he was second in the Metro case, won the Pennsylvania Arts Championships. A lot on this horse's resume, and people were obviously impressed from what they saw last week. Number three, Pop your off Hanover. I would certainly like to get an interview with the guy that or girl that had named this next horse for Cattle Wash. Read by Bill Donovan, owned by, uh, or actually owned by Bill Donovan, and a train, and uh, bred by Bill Donovan. Trained Armand Burke, Louis Philippe is the driver. Did make the elimination 29 to 1. Uh, did make the final in a third place finish in the elimination. A winner in the Bluegrass three starts back. Has won four of 10. Um, you know, I guess with a trip that this horse can contend, cattle wash from post four. For the Hawkeyes, and Jacobs, Andrew McCarthy, six for nine this year. Not a lot of dislike about his record. He finished third in the to a few over in Tall Stranger, but a lot of good work tonight uh, to the three quarter 122 flat. He's in with a pretty good shot here, and he's the third choice. Number six is Major Betts, also has red hot connections. Well, one connection of Dexter Dunn, that's starting from the sixth hole, trained by Mark Harder for Joseph Yanitzelli, Marker, and Dina Fraud. Winner of the International Stallion, three for eight lifetimes, seventh in last week's elimination. He'll have to step up his round. Number seven is Tall Dark Stranger, owned by Crawford Farms, Marvin Kent, Caviar Farms, Howard Taylor, and by Nancy Johansson. Yannick Shingra is the driver. Suffered his first defeat last time in the elimination to Poppy Rob Hanover, but has been perfect since then. The Metro winner in 49-1. Guys, we had a chance to see this horse back on September 21st. Was completely awesome, I thought, in that particular effort. Uh, two moves in that particular race. Once again, as a handicapper, you have to ask yourself how much do you put into eliminations? Tall, dark stranger. If he lives up to the efforts of two, three, and four back, I think he's a clear winner. Right now, he's three to one. The freedom is a bit of an interesting horse to me. He won two two races fast time at Lexington. Just a two-year-old overnight. Fifth beaten five lengths is elimination. Uh, picked up ten lengths in the back half. Face a 53 and one back half. Only horse Bartlett trained by Kevin Lair, driven by Brian Sims. This is one I would consider using like in the three and four slots in uh, tries and supers. Number nine is Catch the Fire, trained by John Ackley for CT Stables in Washington. Uh, today by an Ohio man, Ohio mainstay, Mike Elder, 
This horse is four for 11, including wins in Kentucky Stars Stakes Final and other Kentucky Stars Stakes events. Won 15 last week's school and came first off and finished fourth by three and a half minutes out of that line. Uh, is this one as it looks? And I think it's another one to watch out for. Currently, 38 to 1 on the board. Number 10 is put to right to your Colt Line Captain Trenchers, owned by Bradley Grant, uh, Steve Heinbecker. Trade by Tony Alanya. Bob McClure is the driver. And the guys have got a feeling that put the right is going to begin the left line here very quickly. Going to try to pick up some of the bottom ends of this. That's what he's done in the International Stallion and the Bluegrass and in races before. And he is 90 to 1. So that's the field for the British Crown Final. Two year old Colt and Gelding Pace going for a purse of $786,000 plus. Field of 10. Poppy Rob Hanover uh, once again is going to be the one to beat here. 1 to 1. Chad Rose in the picks number seven. Tall Dark Stranger. Garnet, who's your pick in this race? I gotta say Cold Dark Stranger. I've liked him all year. Um I just put Super Effect in using Alley Wag Hanover and the Freedom Warrior in the three and four slots with the three five and spacey one three four. So I'll hope for one of those two to finish third or fourth or maybe both of them finish third and fourth would be even better. Number five, Captain Midnight, right now, 7-2 on the board. This lower stage won six of nine. Third place finished the tall, dark stranger in the Metro, but did brush, did make the winning move. Guys, was 70 cents on the dollar for driver Andy McCarthy, trying to Tony Alonia. They've had a good start to the 2019 Breeders' Crown. They won their, uh, they won the International Stallion, a good three-and-a-quarter lengths in 149-4. and four. And, guys, this is certainly a horse that uh, is to be contended with in this particular race. And 7-2 right now, in my opinion, pretty good odds. Yeah, Captain Midnight was uh, was really good uh, on this circuit earlier in the year. And, and uh, he still is really good. I think 7-2 uh, is a bit of an overlay. Um, people are people seem to be really uh, impressed by Papier Hanover last week. But I, I couldn't discount Captain Midnight either. Um, his form is just superb. Two for nine. Um, uh, five from the past six, and uh, he just looks really good. I think three to one overlook. Guys, a horse that you guys have had a chance to see often. Tall, dark stranger, a horse that suffered his first defeat in the elimination to Pompey Rob Hanover last time uh, on October 18th. But I mean, before that, and we saw this horse. Uh, in the Metro, just look outstanding. He has done no wrong since then. The Nancy Johansson trainee comes into this one. Uh, once again, two to one odds because of the wagering attention on Poppy Rob Hanover, guys. I think we're getting some good prices on some logical contenders here. Yeah, I think so. I mean, listen, even, yeah, like, even look Rob's not terrible. What about Cattle Wash at 20 to 1? He's been, he's been solid the last couple of weeks. And get a trip, well, Louis could pop, trip this horse in the two or three hole and come out late. Um, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's This kind of looks like a three horse race, but he's gone. Who knows? Okay, the final the final British Crown event of the ninth year old Colt and Gelding Pacers, and uh, what are we about two or three minutes away from a start? And you know, you talk about a horse like Cattle Wash, <laughs> darn it! And uh, in my opinion, that is uh, kind of a weird name for a horse. And uh, you've been, uh, you know, in the business, uh, a fan of the sport for a long time. Can you remember maybe one of the funniest names that you've seen a horse at? 
or, or uh, seen a voice <laughs> names or what, some funny names that you remember? Does it have some harness racing? There's the, the famous well, quarter no, horse. Well, it could be a racing, too. Go ahead. Or quarter horse, whatever kind of racing it is, my friend. There's the famous quarter horse, Hoof Hard. Right. I think that was the thoroughbred. And when he won, then, uh, the, then you heard the announcer parted in the winner's circle. <laughs> it's on YouTube. All uh, right. So. Who parted? Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I do remember that. It's Hoof. It, it, it's spelled, for those of you, well, of course, because I'm not on video, but it's H-O-O-F and H-E-A-R-T-E-D, right? Hoof Hearted. I'm saying whoever's in charge of the uh, how the registration didn't read that loud. They approved it. Okay, hey, so listen, come on now, dude. All right, here we go. Field of 10 getting ready to start. It is the British Crown Final for three-year-old Colt and Gelding Pacers. Uh, once again, perhaps a three-horse race, one-to-one on three. Poppy Rob Hanover as the countdown clock has drifted under 30 seconds now. Five-to-two, excuse me, seven-to-two. One-five, Captain Midnight's second favorite goes to Toll. Dark Stranger right now, two to one. Rest of them are in double digits. Started, I'm going to ask you again, outside of the three, I know you talked about Cattle Wash. Okay, let's go outside of the four. If we're looking for a horse, third or fourth Our, in the trifecta. Where do we go? Alleyweg Hanover, the two, or Freedom Warrior, the eight. Those are two that I used All right, they're getting ready, set to start. It is the previous Crown Final, three-year-old Colt and Gelding Pacers set for action. A field of 10. Once again, they start across here at Woodbine Mohawk. One-to-one on number three, Poppy Rob Hanover, the Brett Pelling trainee, garnering the favoritism right now. Has won four of nine in his career. Two-to-one on seven, Tall Dark Stranger. Three-to-one on five, Captain Midnight, and the rest of them are well into double digits, 18 to 1, the next best on four, Cattle Wash. It's post time for the British Crown. All set. The British Crown final, two-year-old Colton Gelding Pacers from Woodbine Mohawk. Here they come. They're often pacing. From between rivals, Cattle Wash is the first sent away, but Tall Dark Stranger, Shingra, sending this one early as expected, and Tall Dark Stranger drives up on the outside to take the lead. Cattle Wash will release in second to make the way around the first turn. Poppy Rob Hanover comes away in third, a perfect brushing position if Miller elects to use that weapon. Two lengths back in fourth position, Mayhem Hanover, and that one is gapped, already six lengths off what appears to be a good tempo. Captain Midnight is fifth by a length and a half in sixth position, Comes Alleywag Hanover, now nine lengths off the lead. They've reached the quarter in 27-3. Up the back stretch they go, and it's Tall Dark Stranger in front. By a length, Cattle Wash Titans down now second with Poppy Rob Hanover, and Miller is in waiting third. Mayhem Hanover Titans down fourth. Followed a length back in fifth position by a tightening Captain Midnight. Five and a half lengths off the lead. McCarthy's had a big Breeders' crown so far on the first night, and he right lines that one to make the way around the final turn. Major Betts is uh, picking up cover. 
They go past the half in 55 and 1. That was a 27 and 3 second. Solid tempo continues for Tall Dark Stranger. Poppy Rob Hanover's given his cue, driven by Miller now. Up into second. Catawash maintains pocket positioning third. Up on the outside, second over is Captain Midnight. Mayhem Hanover's been to the inside in fifth as they straighten away for the stretch drive. Towards the inside, it's Tall Dark Stranger with the lead. Outside, Poppy Rob Hanover's on the grind. Inside, Catawash is awaiting clearance. Mayhem Hanover's angling now. Moves to the outside with upset hopes of mid-stretch. Tall Dark Stranger on the inside. Poppy Rob Hanover's on the grind. Poppy Rob Hanover on the outside. Narrowly, Tall Dark Stranger digs in. In third position along the inside. As they come down to the finishes, Catawash. It is tight for a win. Poppy Rob Hanover may have grinded away Tall Dark Stranger in a thrilling stretch drive at a final time of 151. There you go, guys. Poppy Rob Hanover grinding his way to victory at 6-5. to five. That was definitely a hard-earned victory as he just simply outfought Tall Dark Stranger down the lane. That was the race of the night, man. What a race. Um, it, 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 it never looked like he was going to get there until he did get there. Mike, and Tall Dark Stranger fought him off, you know, for 95% of the stretch, and he just couldn't do any longer. And, uh, there's not much between these two Colts, that's for sure. They're gonna, it's going to be an exciting year next year watching them race. No, this was absolutely a relentless grind by Poppy Rob Hanover, who wins for the fifth time. Uh, he has never missed the board, and this was uh, a grinding effort. I mean, you know, and if you look back at his lines, he has brushed, okay? He has set the tempo. But he's really never grinded, like never really a persistent grind. This was it tonight here in the British Crown. And you have to wonder if Poppy Rob Hanover, as a two-year-old, turning three, can be the complete racehorse. Yeah, and this, it was interesting at the wire there. I don't know if you, we might see an inquiry. Uh, Poppy came in uh, quite a bit at the wire, and the wheels kind of touched a little bit. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know that there's going to be an objection, but uh, if you watch the slow-mo, Mike, there it is, the inquiry. Uh, if you watch the slow-mo, Jingrad looked too happy there was there coming to the wire, and uh, you could see he pulled him back out. So there might be something to this. I, I could see it even before they showed the hunt. Yeah, this was a very interesting thing. And, like, like right at – it was Poppy Rob Hanover just drifted in, it appeared – like inside the 16th pole, I do not think that this is going to be a long-lived inquiry, though. I don't think that – I mean, watching just the, the snippet of that head-on, and Garnet, I'm sure that you were probably watching the same thing that I was. I'm not sure if this was significant enough to take this horse down. I don't think it was, but um, I wouldn't say that it wasn't enough to affect the outcome, even though – if that, I don't think that makes a lot of sense. What I just said was, um, it might have been enough to impede Tall Dark Stranger from winning the race, but I don't think it was enough of an infraction. It was just a little bit of a brushing of the wheel. You know what I mean? It wasn't like he put a wheel under the horse's foot, which is usually that. So, I don't think there'll be a change. But I, I was pretty sure there was going to be an inquiry, though, when I thought, um, you know, that slow mo. When they kind of looked over at each other, and I saw Miller tugging on the right line, right at the wire. Well, what would a British crown be without some uh, controversy? So we've got inquiries posted. And interesting, the inquiry is also, if you look at the screen on the Woodbine Mohawk feed, is also on one. Oh, and here we go. 
Here's the uh, head on going. Now, this is going to be interesting right here. Man, I'm not sure that's enough. I mean, are you allowed to put your wheel into another wheel? I don't know. Or to keep it. Guys may have Hanover lifted. Also... There is also well, no mayhem. Hanover is 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 out wide here, Garnet. If you watch the stretch replay, and once again we're oh, right looking there. for fourth and fifth right now. Yeah, right there. Like he's he come, come out, out and but, but that was right at the wire. That was right at the wire. Well, I don't know. It doesn't matter. You can't put a wheel under a horse's foot. If it's before the wire, he's got to come. Yeah, this is I'm going to be so interesting sure here. That, so there's yeah. I'm not so sure the winner shouldn't come out either. So there is uh, some controversy. Yeah, there's some controversy here. We're going to have to try to figure it out. The judges have some stuff to uh, to take a look at. What we're going to do is we're going to take a timeout, and hopefully when we come back, everything will uh, kind of be hopefully decided. We've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the United States Trotting Association. We'll be right back with more as we broadcast live from Woodbine Mohawk Park. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer or driver? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers. Hey, racing fans, we all know the ride begins well before the starting gate. Stay warmed up around the clock at PennHorseRacing.com, your home for all things harness and thoroughbred racing. PennHorseRacing.com gives you the inside track on betting, industry events, breeding, news, and more. You know, everything that'll give you an edge come post time. Visit PennHorseRacing.com today. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Family problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Whitbank Farm yearlings are born to compete and raised to win. The 2019 lineup features siblings of rich performers and first foals from productive families. In 2019, Whitbank Farm is selling yearlings at Goshen on September 8th, the Ohio Selected Sale on September 13th, on gate September 18th through the 21st, Lexington October 1st through the 5th, London October 19th and 20th, Harrisburg November 4th through the 6th, and the Harrisburg Mix Sale on November 7th and eighth. For more information, visit winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. 
Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Post time, gates moving. They're off and it is on. Every year, the Harness Horse Youth Foundation travels the country to share the love of harness racing with the next generation. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation educates, introducing youth to new friends and opportunities. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Learn how you can support bringing kids and horses together, building a stronger future for the sport. Visit hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. Back on both sides with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USDA. Mike Bogus, along with Garnet Barnsdale, Ace Barnsdale, live on site at Woodbine, Mohawk. And uh, once again, we're joined by Garnet Barnsdale. Garnet, uh, this inquiry does continue. I'm kind of uh, surprised by how long this thing's going on. I mean, um, Poppy Rob Hanover, in my opinion, did come in, but was it enough? to impede the actual end result? That's the question right now. Yeah. I, can you say it wasn't enough? I don't It's like, is it innocent until proven guilty or guilty until – I don't know, Mike. I think, um, you know, if you, look at, um, if you look at the pan shot, that was – at that point, the stranger was kind of fighting him off, it looked like, right? It seemed like after the wheels contact, it was when he kind of lost his mojo or his momentum. And um, I, I, it definitely didn't hurt Poppy Rob, that's for sure. But it could have thrown Tall Dark Stranger off just enough that he lost by that, you know, uh, what, what, how much did he lose by a foot, uh, you know, a head, a couple, couple of feet? I don't know. I mean, this, I mean is, if, this is, you know, you, you know Garnet, this is going to be one of those things. And this is where, you know, we talk about judging. Okay, we talk about officiating, and this is a completely uh, not a black and white situation. Well, the biggest story here, obviously, is that it's a driver objection. Uh, if, if you, we should put a thousand dollars as a, a trivia prize if anybody can tell us when the last time a driver lodged an objection in North America. Um, <laughs> but you could see on the plan shot when he passed the wire, you could see the displeasure on Yannick's face. You could tell he was angry. Um, so. And that thing right away. So, um, you know, there's a little bit of chatter on Twitter from uh, my friend Ryan Willis, who's, uh, you know, he bets this track regularly and probably makes more money on it than anybody I know. He had a horse tossed um, a couple weeks ago in the exact same scenario. So his stance is if they did it in that race, that has to be a disqualification now. Kind of they set the precedent. But 
We'll see. Man, this is taking a long time. There's a lot of money on the line. And the other thing they could be looking at, too, is um, the Mayhem Hanover thing and, you know, kind of like how close to the wire he was when that happened. Was he past the wire? I think they're going to want to resolve all of them in, in one shot. So they have to kind of get both of them resolved before they make the announcement and uh, potentially change some placings. Yeah, this is one of those interesting situations. I mean, um, and, you know, the thing about it is is that, like, do you go to the rule book, okay? Are there different are there different rules in ju- different jurisdictions? I mean, you know, there's, there's so many different things, I think, that come into play. And, you know, stewards, I think, are so careful right now in their decisions you know, to disqualify certain horses, and um, this is, this, in my opinion, this is a really tough call. I mean, this is a really tough call. Um, I mean, it's easy, in my opinion, just from an outsider playing armchair quarterback to say that I don't think there was enough there. What if I? What if my, me as an armchair quarterback says I think there was? You see exactly. That's the thing. I guess it's all the there's no, there's, there's no black and white. There is no black and white here. There's this. It's a gray area, you know. And I um, think, and of course, yeah. I, mean, I I get more out of watching the pan shot because that's when I you can see if you watch the drivers looking at each other, um, you, you you can see Miller tugging on the right line. Oh, here we go. He got disqualified. Wow. Yep. So we have a disqualification in the Breeders' Crown. Number seven, Tall Dark Stranger, has been moved up to first, and, and three has moved, moved back to second, right, Garnet? Yeah, and I think they announced the one was disqualified as well. So we've got a double disqualification here. This is, this is uh, wow. This is quite interesting. So it will, wow, and there it is. There it is. It will be a W in the win column for Tall Dark Stranger. Poppy Rob Hanover finished first, disqualified place second. Gattawash finished up? third, and Mayhem Hanover finished fourth, disqualified place fifth. So five, if you're playing the Supers, Captain Midnight has been moved up to fourth. So this is, Garnet, this is really, inter- really interesting stuff. I mean, Definitely. Uh, that's that's, that's going to be the story of the night now. So Tall Dark Stranger moved up to first, and uh, boy, I mean, just uh, what else am I to say, Garnet? Stay tuned to Twitter. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> all I can Twitter, tell you, you stay tuned to Twitter for both sides, because you're, you're going to get both sides of the story, you know, uh, on Twitter. And... Uh, you know, you, you hate uh, this is this is one of the things, Garnet. It's tough to be in the judges' stand, you know. And, and I know, and I know that any judge you will talk to will say, "Well, no." An overnight race is not different, or is, isn't any different than a race like this. And you know what? To be honest with you, Garnet, that's a bunch of baloney. Oh, and there's the tall, dark stranger and Nancy Johansson and. It'd be interesting if we could uh, get Yannick, get Nick to talk to Yannick and just kind of get his take on, uh, you know, why he called the foul. It's, um, you know, uh, there's a guy, guy on Twitter, pull the pocket. Dean Tower is very prominent. Oh, we got uh, Yannick getting kissed. You see that? 
Was that is that Nick kissing him? No, 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 no. No, no, it wasn't Nick. It was it was Marvin Katz. Yeah. He gave him a kiss on each cheek. I I probably would too. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, Dean Towers uh, said uh, a driver a driver claimed foul in Capitals saved the tweet because you'll never see it again. But I mean, who knows? You know, um, obviously he made the right call claiming foul because I don't think I don't know if the judges would have put the inquiry up themselves. You don't see this kind of stuff very often. You see it a lot more in thoroughbreds where jockeys lodge objections against each other, but you do not see that a lot in harness racing. And and um, I don't know. I mean, should we see more of this, Garnet? I mean, is, is this, you know, is this, could be this? Okay, let me ask you this. You write for Harness Racing Update. This could be a very good article for you to write on HRU about maybe the need for more drivers' objections as we go forward, not only in stakes races, but in uh, in overnight races. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think a lot of this stuff, uh, there's a lot of this, you know, stuff in close quarters and stuff, but you put a wheel into the other guy's wheel. I mean, do that with any kind of a vehicle. It's going to throw your momentum off, I think, right? So, in my opinion, it's uh, it's justified, and I'm sure there's going to be other guys. There's some on Twitter I'm chatting with right now that are saying it was a brutal call. Listen, what's your Twitter handle? Because, you know, what we have to – if there's anybody that's listening right now that doesn't have your Twitter handle, I'm sure you're going to be worth following the rest of the night. Give your Twitter handle out there. At GoCashKing. <laughs> At GoCashKing. Something I'm not doing tonight so far. Well, this is going to be good stuff on Twitter tonight. And, uh, you know, I mean, Poppy Rob Hanover, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, this is going to be another – one debated, and uh, I think for the ages. And uh, we've got 11 minutes left on this program. Uh, if do you think do you think that, now Yannick's obviously in a sea of humanity right now as we're looking at the Winback Farms Winners Circle at Woodbine Mohawk. I mean, is there a possibility that that maybe Ace can get in there? Uh, maybe. Tell him to get in there. Or he's fired. <laughs> that's your job <laughs> I will leave that to you I won't tell him that I'll leave that to you but uh, nonetheless high drama in the last previous ground race of the night uh, if you're just tuning in we only got a couple of minutes left on this show Poppy Rob Hanover winning in a first over way disqualified for coming in on Paul Dark Stranger it was actually a double disqualification in the race as the fourth place finisher Mayhem Hanover was placed fifth and Captain Midnight was placed fourth. Uh, just some unbelievable happenings right here at the Breeders' Crown, and uh, I, it'll probably be the storyline of the night. I mean, no question about it. There's Nancy Johansson and Yannick Chingrop hold the Breeders' Crown trophy up high, and uh, we saw it was a driver's objection. They just hold our strange to the win. Let's take a look at the prices, 580-310-260. Poppy Rob Hanover at 270-250. Catawash at 470 to show. Your exacta returns fourteen thirty. That's for $2. Your uh, dollar try paid thirty four ninety five. Your 20-cent super paid nineteen thirty three, And your 20-cent pick three, still a good one, with uh, a completely logical horse on the back end, $89.00. And 71 cents. Well, a fitting end to the Breeders' Crown tonight, Garnet. And uh, we get to do it all again tomorrow, first time, 8 o'clock. And uh, I know you and Ace will be there. You and Ace will be there along with uh, Ashley Mayhew. Yeah, and I think, uh, aside from this disqualification, I mean, 
story in this that you got two absolutely dynamite Colts that are going to race and fight it out next year, right? So um, we thought earlier in the year maybe uh, Tall Dark Stranger was maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, a little bit above some of the other ones, but uh, these two Colts are just great, great Colts, and it's going to be interesting to see uh, next year. Yeah, and perhaps, uh, perhaps this renewed the rivalry. Yeah, for or, sure. Or, or we'll start uh, a rivalry between Popyrov, Hannibal, and Tall Dark Stranger because you know what? This is, uh, I mean, these are two nice Colts, and they're going to continue on to the three-year-old campaign. And I have little doubt that they are both going to step forward in the three-year-old campaign. So this is going to get very interesting as time goes forward. Well, we got Chad talking to Yannick now. Let's see if we can hear some of what he's going to ask him here. He's asking him what happened right before the war. Well, I can't hear much, but uh, he said it was a big moment and uh, it's a big race, and that's why he put the objection up. And now he's kind of motioning like how they came together and stuff, so... Well, let me ask you this, Garnet. Uh, now we do have driver, driver rivalries, and you've seen it before in the past. You've been around the business a long time. I mean, do you think maybe we could see some uh, Yannick Shingra versus Dave Miller things kind of coming up maybe tomorrow in the Breeders' Crown? I mean, as far as maybe, I don't know, parking each other? I mean... You know, you could. I don't think it's uh, out of the realm of possibility at all. Um, you know, I, I think uh, from Dave's perspective, he's probably shocked that, that a fellow driver put a, put a lodged objection because they don't do it, right? I think Jingra said, I think he said, you can hear there's a lot of noise going on in here in the paddock, but I believe he said that the last one he put in was in 2002 in a race at Yonkers in this interview. So that kind of gives you an idea, but... Um, it's a little bit of a strange uh, aspect of this sport as to why they don't ever do it, pretty much, right? Except for for now and whenever the last time was, which nobody will be able to tell us. But uh, in thoroughbred racing, is done all the time, right? With jockeys, uh, if a jockey feels like he was he was fouled, they'll, they'll put the claim in. So it's a little bit of a different uh, scenario. But um, I guess you know there's uh, there's a lot on the line here, and uh, especially with a horse like Tall Dark Stranger, who's I think it's pretty obvious is going to have a breeding career at some point. That's a big uh, difference having that race on his resume or not. So I think that's an also a consideration. Yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, this is a, this is kind of a big deal. I mean, uh, really, it is. I mean, you see a driver's objection and you see it stand. And uh, so, uh, wow. I mean, some good stuff here. Freedom's Crown Day number one. And uh, hey, we're just getting started, going to Freedom's Crown Day is number two. And uh, we are getting ready to go off the air, so we're just going to cut this thing off. Garner, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend, and we will talk to you and Ace and Ashley maybe tomorrow. You guys will be live on site on British Crown Day number two. And uh, have you had a chance to look at the program yet? Have you kind of harrowed in on the best bet? You know, I really like uh, the Mayor Saggio tomorrow. I believe she's in the... uh... Gee, I think it's a three-year-old Philly trot. Um, she's a closer, which uh, probably bode well the way this track's been playing. Uh, she's not necessarily a best bet, more so like a spot player or something like that. But, yeah, I've looked it over extensively, so I'll have, I'll have plenty to yap about tomorrow night for you, Mike. 
All right, sounds fantastic. Of course, we'll be on the air tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure you join us live on our website at post time with MikeAndMike.com. Of course, you can get us on the archives of Fed America on the Fed America Radio Network. Of course, we're also sponsored by U.S. Trotting. On behalf of Garnet Barnsdale, Nick Barnsdale, we'll be joined by Ashley Mayu tomorrow. Of course, my good friend Mike Garner, who is the other half of post time with Mike and Mike. This is Mike Povich bidding you adieu, and we will see you tomorrow with the first post of 8 o'clock. Good night. Oh, wow.